happened. But, you know, whatever. Another show, another uh, another disaster, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, this is Tilted Glasses. Uh, you know the drill. Um, I don't know what happened. I wish I knew. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's get this going. Um, I am at Ian Blocks Hockey. I am joined today by at uh, Mr. Kevin Lacey. I am joined by at Sharks Jules, also known as Jules. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. I'm still completely confuzzled. <laughs> Did we like... even have an intro? Because after your intro failed, I tried one. <laughs> I, I think, well, the problem was is because everything kind of goes through my, the way that everything goes through. It's like, so if I'm hearing it, then they're hearing it. So I think it was just like over and over and over again. I don't know what happened. Um, I think what happened is there was a, I had another YouTube window open somewhere that I didn't close and it was playing the show. I think it was the ghost of Nick Chichak coming back to haunt us. But Lacey's favorite. Have fun in Abbotsford, buddy. (laughs) Lacey's favorite player, Nick Chichak, everyone. Oh my goodness. All right. Um, I think we're good now though, so you know, whatever. This'll be annoying to edit uh when we finally do it, but it's fine, whatever. Um how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty pretty COVID y. (laughs) <laughs> um i'm doing okay i'm i will see folks uh i do plan on having a better show than i did the last time i was on this this uh adventure of a barracuda team but uh covid or not i'm here i'm excited i might be short of breath you guys know me i'm never short of breath but um i am excited for our new panelist ian yes uh hi jules how you doing What's up, guys? For those who don't know me, I'm at Sharks Jewels. I'm the newbie to this group. So there's that. I do prospects, CUDA, and complain a lot. So yeah. there you go. I'm glad that you said perfect that, for Teal Town USA. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned complaining, though, because I think a lot of people are probably surprised that like, we're doing this show, like, and it's going to be like this. The idea behind this is we're going to try and do this on a, uh, like a somewhat regular basis, right? Like I- ideally bi-weekly, but obviously as schedules permit. Um, I think people are like, well, wait a second, Ian, you were just on Twitter whining about the Barracuda and how this sucks. And it wasn't, I, I mean, the Barracuda do suck and we are going to talk about that tonight. But I think what happened was, was that, you know, you know on Teal Town, we do a lot of things, right? We, we try to do a lot of things to try and make people happy. Um, something that I just discovered that I really don't enjoy doing is gifting games, though, like, and throwing, like, the stuff on and live tweeting. Like, sometimes I just want to watch a hockey game. Yeah. Without the, you know, without, like, without having to, like, give it my complete, total, undivided attention. And I think once I stopped doing that, it was fine. Like, yeah, this team is still hard to watch, but so are the Sharks, and I do that just fine. Um, so we at least have one good team in San Jose. That's all I ask. Right. One of them, these teams to be good. I I feel like that. I I, wish that was a thing. I should have done the intro different. I should have said, yes, the San Jose Barracuda are sitting in 30th after a four, one loss to Charlotte, but this is still the highest ranking team of the three in the organization. So stick around for Teal Town USA. Oh no. I didn't realize Wichita was bad too. Oh, you're Wichita kidding. Wichita is like the worst team in the ECHL. I, see, I the ECHL is. I mean, the ECHL. I don't want to. I don't want to make our friends in the ECHL angry, but like, <laughs> you know, it, it's there's there's enough hockey to watch already. 
that's that's oh, what's what his think. face Mitchell so Russell yeah so I, I think like so. so what it really boils down to right is like obviously like this is a thing that we do this is a passion project I don't know if you've if we've told you this before but this is a passion project right so it's like if we're gonna do it it's got to be fun I like doing this like I like coming on YouTube and talking to all of you guys and and doing that kind of stuff I love doing that but like this live tweeting nonsense like I just I don't care I'm not media I don't want to do this shit like I don't it is a nightmare the it's, live it's, tweeting. it's a lot, done of, it's, it's like a lot of work and I think it's some of the it. dumbest shit we do especially because there's so many people that do it now um but I mean if people want to do it I'm not like trying to besmirch them like if they want to do it that's great if they enjoy it perfect you do it but like to me I'm like if this isn't fun I ain't doing it so so hopefully that will explain why it's like, oh, Ian hates the Barracuda. I don't hate the Barracuda. I just hated gifting games and I was just kind of tired of it. Um, and, and now that I stopped doing it, I've enjoyed the Barracuda games a lot more. And I'm happy that, you know, um, having someone like Jules come in and join the team has allowed me to be able to have the time to say, hey, let's do this biweekly thing because I don't have to do, you know, half the after darks every week. So I think that, um, you know, I'm hoping that this, like I said, this is going to become a regular event. I'm hoping that everyone enjoys it. If you have any suggestions, comments, you know, maybe I can get a show off the ground without burning the YouTube to the ground once, just <laughs> once this year. That'd be probably cool. But uh, other than comments like that, you know, um, let us know in the bottom how we can, what we can do to improve what you would like to see us do uh, in regards to the Barracuda and any other prospect stuff you want, let us know. Um so that is what the mission statement is. I guess let's get into the show. Now, there's a couple of games here. This is funny because, you know, obviously I do want to talk a little bit about the games that we go to, but I was out of town this weekend. So I've watched one game <laughs> of the of the four we're going to talk about. So I'm I'm heavily relying on my co-host here to kind of to kind of carry us through. Um Cool. I was expecting to talk about two, but sure, we'll talk about four. Oh, we can talk. talk. I mean, we don't have to like go super in depth, right? Like, uh, I I just wanted to kind of touch on the Bakersfield games because I thought something that is interesting to me is how Magnus Krona has kind of taken the net. I was going to say he's caught a heater. Like, even we'll talk about it, but last Mm -hmm. game when Mackie got pulled, like, was it like less than three minutes in? Two minutes in 15 seconds. Great. Once Krona came in, it kind of settled the team down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Krona's just kind of taken over, which is shocking because like a month ago, I'd probably have gone with Romanov still. Yeah. Um, but he's been banished to the Wichita's. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I look at the Barracuda. Um, the Barracuda are currently 11, 19, and 6, I believe now. Um, they have... 28 You're points correct. they are the 10th team in the pacific division they are the 30th place team in the ahl obviously not what we were hoping for coming into the season i think i i look at i i never ex- i didn't come into the season and I, I know kevin's kind of said the same thing i didn't come into the very like thinking that the barracuda were going to be like you know world beaters but in a division where seven teams make the playoffs i don't think playoffs should have been like out of the question for this team. Like, I think playoffs were, should have been a reasonable goal that they, at this point, are show no signs that they're going to be able to get into. Like, Kevin, what would, like, coming into the season, like, that's kind of been your thoughts too, no? I picked them to be 31st out of 32, so... Okay, so you had them worse than I did. <laughs> well, my, my thing about the Barracuda going into this season, and this kind of will leak into the my final grade that I give the team at the end here mm. is 
this team we all knew was going to have a worse roster this year than yeah. last season. And last season's team finished 28th and out of the playoffs. So I just didn't see how it was possible for this team to uh, be able to move up in the standings with a worse roster. And especially when most other teams around the AHL got an influx of young talent. The Barracuda really didn't. They had major holes up front to start the year. And unfortunately, now with injuries to both the Sharks and the Barracuda, they still have con considerable holes up front. And uh, a game like tonight where they lost 4-1, to one, you see that lack of scoring punch. So they're going to have to rely on the few veterans that they do have because there's, there's not a whole lot of punch to uh, in in this or you know pack um but yeah I, I i did expect there to be better defense than there has been this season folks um i mean that was definitely upgraded but the strategy has continued to just baffle me i watched charlotte tonight tonight particularly Mm -hmm. Play. Think of a think of the number five on a dice block. You've got the two dots on top, the two dots on the bottom, and the one right in the middle. And that's how Charlotte plays defense. They've got the two guys who are constantly roving the points, the two who are back in their own end, and then the center is constantly going back up. You look at the Barracuda strategy with the so-called improved defense uh, group this year. They have three, if not four, players chasing at all times, and it leaves one skater on the far side. So basically, all of the opposing team needs to do is make a pass across, or if they're in the corner, a pass to the middle, and they've got open players all day and night. And even mm -hmm. in the third period tonight, where I did think the team played overall better, there still were plenty of opportunities where Charlotte would get a free pass out to the point or a free pass out to the slot. The insurance goal that made it 3-1 to one by Wilmer Skog, he was left in front of the net. How do, you, how do you have three skaters chasing the puck and still leave someone in front of the net? Like, bad, bad coverage. So it's, it's a systems thing to me. Yeah, Jules, what, what's um, just some overall thoughts on the Barracuda and then some maybe some thoughts on just the, the most recent games? I thought their defensive corp this year was a lot better than it was last year with guys like LaRock getting healthy. I'm really high on him, and I think he's just had the injury bug. So I think uh, like when we grade LaRock, I'm not going to be super harsh on him because I really like him, and I think he can be really good. Um, so I thought overall, like guys like Mukuma Doolin, I thought Greer did a really good job kind of helping that prospect side of the defensive core with the CUDA in like his last like nine months GM or whatever. So I thought the defensive corp this year was going to be a lot better than it has been. It's kind of been a disappointment. Um, now the offense is just atrocious this year. Yeah. There's like maybe three guys that I like in the offense, but like all of their guys kind of either graduated or the Sharks are just so deprived because of all the injuries that they're called up. You have guys like Eklund, who was a big offensive contributor last year, gone. Agazino, Chris Colo. The list goes on and on. Offensively, I was expecting them to be dog shit um, because I love a guy like Gushin. He's, he can't carry a team. He needs other supporters. Like He's doing his guard, gosh darn best, but yeah. he's just not that guy, and I'm not blaming Gush for that. He's been amazing. Um, so I, I thought overall they would take a step back. 
Um, was I expecting to make the playoffs? In my dreams, was it reality? Probably not. <laughs> um, but I, I also thought the goaltending was improved this year. Uh, I might be higher on the Kuda's goaltending than most people. I will say that. So you probably will not agree with me. I like Krona. Um, so I, I think the goaltending and the defense was better, but I think the offense, they, they just can't score because all of their big guns from last year have just graduated. Regarding the game, this is the most self-sabotaging team I've ever seen in my life. I, you know what? And that, I think, is the perfect description of the yeah, Barracuda. It is. It, it is yep. like That is the perfect. I don't think I could have come up with a way to say that better. Because I think if you want to describe the Barracuda in one or two words, it's it's exactly that. It's self-sabotaging. Um, I think that, like, for my take on the team overall, and we'll get into the grades at some point here soon, um, I think... The thing with the the thing with the team is like I knew there was going to be hiccups, right? Like you have a guy like Mukumadul who I've really liked, um, but he's playing his first year in North America. Um, mm-hmm. The goalies are all other than Makiniemi are all first year pros. Makiniemi has had some injury issues um, that have you know kind of really derailed his career somewhat. Um, but at some point, I wonder like why I. <sighs> See, it's hard, right? Because I know Makinyemi, like, that was the get in the Brent Burns trade. So I can kind of see why they still, they don't want to just completely throw the baby out with the bathwater there. But it kind of bothers me. Like, I think Corona's been fine. But, like, if Makinyemi isn't going to be counted on to play games, then why isn't Georgi Romanov with the team? Who I think I has been the- better. I wondered the same thing because you you guys are right. Magnus Krona, especially like last night with with McIniemy giving up two goals on the first four shots in the first two fifteen. I actually still think that was defensive problems yet again more than goaltending. But still, uh, McIniemy's not making those clutch saves that they need to bail the team out from yeah. a really bad start. And Krona has come in been solid enough i definitely like he's that he has become more composed and more compact he's not flailing all over the place i said that the last time when we had nick on the show Mm -hmm. um but he has a more calm stance and uh just a calm demeanor in net than he did and i think that goes a long way because mackiniemi right now no one's had no one has any trust in him right now you can see it on the ice it i assume in the organization and us as fans uh have no faith in him right now and we hope that he can turn this thing around but uh you're right ian like romanov is the goalie that we have gush isn't the right word mm-hmm. but impressed yes impressed we've been impressed more than we thought we would be out of romanov his numbers aren't great none of the goalies numbers are great but romanov has shown at times some flashes of he might at least be a a, a decent ahl goalie whereas mm-hmm. back this year he's not showing that at all so i do wonder if mackiniemi's time might be running out here in San Jose uh, sooner than later, which then, like you said, he was one of the pieces that the Sharks got for Brent Burns. Ooh, man. That if Makiniemi goes good. for like a seventh, ooh, my career's going to get was, heat. Yeah, that trade was already not good. I, I, yeah, yeah. That, I think that that's going to be one of good. the worst trades that the Sharks have, like in the history of the franchise. I, like, 
that I think the Carlson trade might have the upper hand on it, but it'll be one of the worst. But also with goaltending and these young goaltenders, it's kind of just a hit or miss half the time. Yeah, I mean, these are first year pros too, right? And like, even with the draft one, like you're, except for like Jesper Wallstead, like no one really knows how how the hell a goalie's going to go in this league. They can either, you know, a six round pick could end up being like your franchise goal. You just never know with goalies. So, like, I don't necessarily want them to trade Mackie just yet because I feel like with goalies, especially them this young, it's kind of a hit or miss. It's like defensemen a little. Like, you kind of just have to be patient with them. Yeah. But I also don't want to be like, they're doing great. They're not. Yeah, uh, But I yeah. don't think goaltending has been the problem necessarily for the crew. No, I think <laughs> the way I look at goaltending is, and, and, and I think I'll retouch on this when we start doing the grades, is that, like, I feel like if you're bitch with the barracuda is the goaltending you're not watching the games yes yeah yeah that like, oh, like it's the same yeah, as the that... sharks right like if you're if you're mad at Mackenzie blackwood or capo in this year like i don't know what to tell you i expect Mackenzie blackwood to make 50 saves every single night and save all the pucks no yeah that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. who did who did we flip Lorenz for did he just leave as a free agent who... uh he was the one to get duclair so we gave up a third round and oh, Lawrence for yeah. duke I'm I'm fine with that trade, Duclair. I like that trade. I don't mind that, but I mean, like, but back, like, Lawrence was never the get in that deal. He was just kind of the guy that had to come to, um, right? Like, Mac but he was another was guy part of the Burnsy trade. Yes, yes. Um, so. I just want to say hello to everyone in the chat. I see Chris is in the chat, and uh, he said, "Ain't no party like a Cuda party." He's right. Um, mm-hmm. Jesse in the chat saying, "You know, missing the playoffs might get McCarthy out of the building at least." Yeah, we'll, we'll please get McCarthy, McCarthy out of the building. Point. Um, <laughs> uh, Patrick Tyler saying, I can't believe I was right in saying the could would be worse before the season. Yeah, man. Um, I, you uh, know, I, Patrick I be... and you, me, man. Patrick yeah, and Patrick me. and Kevin on an island. Um, no. I like one, Jesse's three. comment about Krona was rough to start the year, but he's shown extreme visible improvement, which oh, is very yeah. encouraging. I completely agree on that, Jesse. Yeah, no, I agree has. too. I was, I was trying I, to say for the great portion. Be... I don't think he's going to be Mark Andre Fleury like thousand games played or anything like that. Like there's a goalie where you talk about we don't we don't know what goalies can be. Sometimes he was a first overall pick who for years people were like he's a bust. He's a bust. God, what a terrible pick by the Penguins. Yeah, well, a couple of Stanley Cups and a thousand games yeah. played later. Here's my no. thing with Mark Andre Fleury, not to completely derail here, because I think Mark Andre Fleury is a, like he's a good goalie, right? But I think like because of like I think at the end of the day, like he's he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame, right? Sure. He's got oh, the wins record and everything else. Yeah. But there, like, but there were seasons like I feel like Pittsburgh should have way more Stanley Cups than they have now, and Mark sure. Andre Fleury's a big reason they don't. That's fair. That's, That's v- fair. valid. Um, yeah, I was also with Krona. Like I'm looking at his stats throughout college. He mm-hmm. he's he's uh, definitely had those seasons where he's like below 800. Like in college, he was very steady, like above 900. So I think with Krona, it, it's just kind of like whatever season it is is the Krona we're gonna get. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that that's that's why I was always buyer beware about Magnus Krona mm-hmm. because he played on some great championship loaded. winning yeah, teams in yep. Denver where yeah. he was not the reason they won the championships and so that's why i'm like he's he's got a pedigree but can he show that he can do it on 
like this team where he has to be the guy. So far, none of the goalies have shown they can be the guy. But Corona's been trending upward, and I like where it's heading. And clearly the Sharks uh, still believe in him because he just essentially played all of two of back-to-back games, which is pretty unheard of in the AHL. Also, don't forget, I think they traded a seventh round pick to get him or maybe yes. another prospect. Yeah. It was something along those lines. So it was that was back with Doug Wilson. But, you know, you never know with the goalies. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, so that's that. Um, obviously, the All-Star game's coming up. Um, I have a question for you guys that are more local um, because I haven't really noticed a lot of promotion of the All-Star game in San Jose. Are we are we worried out here a little bit or... Decidedly. Lacey. Huh? Decidedly? Yeah. Like, all right. Uh, and now, now I have now we're going into Kevin Lacey rant mode for the all night. Right. So uh-huh. Sit back. Get the sirens Buckle going up. and everything like that. Okay. The Barracuda finally had TV coverage for the first time in their team history. I know that the that was supposed to happen last season, but with all the sudden back-end changes that the team made it got scrapped until this year when there was more of an infrastructure in place and uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on too but uh, you get these games on television like the game against uh, was it Bakersfield wasn't it Um, Ontario 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 thank Mm -hmm. you last week or two weeks ago whenever it was and you think this is following a Sharks game there are going to be some eyes going, okay, well, hopefully the Barracuda play better than the Sharks did that light night. I'm going to stick around, and plus I want to see some of the prospects play. What's the first thing they should go to during their media timeout? Promote the All-Star game. There are still contingents of fans in San Jose or of people in San Jose who have no idea that this Barracuda exist have no idea that there's a new arena here in San Jose. Bring people out. You average 1,100 fans per night or whatever it is, 1085 or whatever it is. That's less than a third of the building. Granted, I'm not expecting a sellout every night. It's sure. not Charlotte. It's not Utica. Right. What? Give, put it in people's minds. Don't talk about Tigres Del Mar. Don't go promoting other sports during your first media timeout. Promote the All-Star Classic that's coming in two weeks. Don't sell it to the season ticket holders. We already have tickets. Sell it to new fans. Get them out to the building and get them exposed to very affordable hockey. And in this particular case... The best hockey we're going to see at TechCU Arena all year. Get people out here. Promote it. Don't bury it in the middle of intermission live, which is what both the Sharks and the Barracuda have done. Especially in that Barracuda game, all those Sharks fans who were interested, they turned that game off after the first, the the, halfway through the first period when the Barracuda were losing three nothing or whatever. So you have to take advantage of it. And this team. Talking about self-sabotaging, don't self-sabotage getting more fans in the seats, spending more money. So I was because I was asked this on Twitter the yesterday, I think it was. And it's like, do you think and I can't remember who asked me, so I apologize. I don't want to, like, open up Twitter and, you know, risk 
blowing up our, our, our show again. Um, but so they asked, like, do I think that the AHL regrets putting the Ulster game in San Jose? And I don't, I mean, maybe if it doesn't do well, then maybe they will. But I, I think it's a small enough building and it's a new enough building. Like, I don't think people realize how important the Pacific Division is to the AHL because it's it's super important that it's successful. So I don't think they, they hate the idea that they put the game in San Jose. I think it's a nice new building. I mean, I've never yeah. been, but everyone tells me it's a nice building, so I will take their word for it. I, you know, the, the the Pacific Division is very important to the HL because it, before the Pacific Division was a thing, all the teams were on the East Coast. So if you're a team on the West Coast and you need to grab a player, they're, you know, they're traveling across three time zones and, you know, dealing with jet lag and everything else. Like the Pacific Division is, is a huge important thing for the HL to be a success. And I think so far it has been. But so I don't think they regret it in that sense, but like, we'll see obviously how it's attended and, and how that goes. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I still think that it was the right move. You know, again, you, you just built a brand new building. It's, you know, you want to promote the Pacific division. You want to, you know, promote that AHL hockey works out here. Um, so, or out there, I guess, cause I'm not there, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Right? Like it's, it's something that I think is very important to the AHL to have this be a success so hopefully I, I i think it'll do well because i still think it's like it's an all-star game it's gonna bring people in from all over the place um you know unfortunately the barracuda are are not great so you know gushkin's gonna be the only guy that's gonna be there um from the barracuda and i think that's unfortunate but at the same time this this team is terrible so who else are you gonna send there <laughs> Especially with the way Cardwell. the Barracuda, no, well, especially with the way the Barracuda, like the, the the Sharks have had injury problems this year, right? Most game man yeah. games, you don't want to call, you don't want to, you don't want to name somebody and then have them get called up either. That's what I was gonna go with. We were talking before the show. Jules said Mikhail Granlin's gonna be out a little mm-hmm. bit. Who do they call up? Probably Daniil Gushin. Hope he's still around for the AHL All Star <sighs> Classic, and then the team has no representative. Well, like. They need a center, but so but here's like, the problem. Okay, so I I, I hear your your Daniel Gushin, but but the, the with the way the Barracuda have done or the San Jose Sharks, sorry, have done everything in their power to make sure that they just they can find a reason not to. <laughs> okay, here here's the thing, and I saw Lacey point this out on Twitter. Let Daniel Gushin be a star on a team that's shit, even though they're shit. Let him be a star there. Let's not call him up and have him give press conference like poor Eklund gave the other day. <sighs> here's the problem, right? And here's here's the problem because I hear a lot and of this. And I stole this... that from Lacey. I'm giving 100 cre- cre- credit Thank you. to Lacey That's there. Fine. But you I... said it better than I would have, but that is the point that I was trying to make. <laughs> here, here, Here's the thing, right? And I, I, we'll get into this and then we'll get into the grades after this. The one thing that really bugs me about this team and like people, like the, the attitude some people have, it's like, oh, you got to let them marinate got to do it like detroit did oh that well yeah. detroit's re well and anyway i have a okay, whole okay, you're right track, okay but... so so let's let's talk about that for a second now one detroit's ahl teams have generally been really good they've generally been good they've had a good mix of veterans they've had obviously detroit but those detroit it's it's really easy to leave a guy in the ahl when you're taught when your top six forwards are all future hall of famers and your top <laughs> pair defensemen are future hall of famers like, and you're spending, you know, before the salary cap, you're spending more money than teams are allowed to spend today. Yeah. Like, it's easy to leave guys in the minors. It's easy to let them marinate. But, like, 
I just, I don't think that applies here because one, the Barracuda are fucking terrible. The, and the, the sharks are terrible. <laughs> like they're both like, there isn't a good, there isn't a better situation. I'm just scared to call up another 21 year old right now into the system. But like, what, especially what, what, with the but, sharks. But what are they, what are you saving them from? If you, if you, if they I go up to know. San Jose, if they go up to the sharks, like, it's not like, I, is the Barracuda really that much better of a situation? It's not. They're well, both then equally you're arg- awful situations. Yeah, there'll be more media because, you know, the three media people we have in San Jose actually care about the Sharks. I shouldn't say that. I know they, they do decent <laughs> coverage of the Barracuda they're, as well. Well, let's talk about what Nick said on either the last show or the show before that. He okay. said that Thomas Bordolo was admitting that up in the NHL, he had no confidence. Yeah. And so he got sent back down to the Barracuda and built his game back up to where he could become better prepared for another NHL call-up. Unfortunately, folks, he's injured yeah. right now. He's been out the last seven games. I think he's going to be out at least another week. I don't know what the injury is, um, but he's going to be out for a bit, it seems like. Um, but that type of a situation versus William Eklund we saw last night after yeah, the Sharks game where he was – you, he, it, it looked like – Peter DeBoer ran over his dog. I'm bringing that one back. <laughs> so, Poor Kevin I mean, Bank. William like, Eklund just looked like the most defeated person on the planet last night, both from a team game and from his own personal game. And he's obviously fighting it right now. Yeah. I'm not saying send Eklund back down to the Barracuda. I think that would be the wrong move. 100%. But I that, think but... that you do run the risk, like what Curtis Pashelka wrote in the Mercury News yesterday, where you can bring players up, but if they're not ready here, what's going to make them ready to play NHL games? I mean, I I... like if they want to test out Goosh and give him those games and make the Sharks more entertaining, go for it. That great. But if we're having other deflated prospect, like we saw Eklund last night, I'm not going to go for that because I think Goosh right now has a lot of confidence down in the AHL. And I don't necessarily want that to get, like demolished in the NHL. Sure, sure, and I agree. Especially like, especially with how snake bit the sharks are right now. No, I yeah. agree. Like, and I agree. Like, so that you know, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I think Kevin, like talking about Thomas Bortle, I think raises like a really good point. And I think in that situation, I I was fine. I didn't think Bortolo was good. The thing that bothers me about how Gushkin like got that one little kick at the can though is that the the hoops the Sharks have jumped through not to bring him up. They go and they trade for you know they 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 sign who they Justin sign? Bailey Justin Bailey to a to a to a contract right take up a contract slot bring him up then they go and trade for Studnika. Like it's, it's the hoops they've jumped through. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like if, if you bring Gushkin back up and it doesn't work out and you send him back down, that's fine. At least he got a kick at the can. The part that bothers me about this is that they've gone out of their way not to give him a kick at the can. And that's what bothers me. They're definitely trying to overripe their prospects because I think they got scared from the last few years when they just kind of throw them to the wolves with, like no preparation it felt like for several yeah. years so i mean i'm not saying goosh isn't going to get a call up and i'm not against goosh getting a call up i'm just thinking in the shark's mind right now they're probably a little scared to throw him into the even more wreck of a fire that is the but San if Jose it doesn't sharks. work then send him back down it's fine at least he gets a chance right no like, i get that can't... yeah that is true yeah um super uh super chat here from from uh, like a tiger uh nice 
Yeah. Uh, we, and we, obviously, we always appreciate the Super Chats. Um, they help us keep the lights on. Is, keep is us that $6.90 Australian it dollars? It is $6.90 Australian. Yeah! Um, he says, uh, hoping Joe Will can hire David Carlisle before the rest of the league hires him. I want an emerging college coaching talent with a championship pedigree. Yeah. Well, I'm just hoping for a coaching change in general. So... I just I don't think coaching change like here's the thing with the AHL I, you generally don't see coaching changes midseason in the AHL unless it's like guy gets hired to an NHL team right like obviously in that situation you're gonna you're gonna have to scramble but they generally don't happen midseason so everyone's like always like why is Tom John McCarthy because it's the middle of the season and nobody's yeah. nobody's jumping to come coach your AHL team midseason. Last season, I think there were two. I know for sure the Belleville Senators let go of Trent Troy Mann mm-hmm. and and hired Dave Bell. Uh, and I, a couple years ago, they lost Toronto. Toronto lost their head coach, but I feel like Toronto's head coach got poached, and then they brought Greg Moore in to replace him. Yeah. Um, but even then, like those are the only two that I think happened in the last couple of years. And maybe Neil Graham in Texas. Um, that's about it. So yeah, it's not it goes, common. You're it right. It generally not doesn't happen. And I, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to defend John McCarthy because I think I was coming into this season with John McCarthy. I was kind of like, well, you know, like, let's see what he learned. Well, the nothing. answer to that question is nothing. So now I, he can go away. I, I think, have a counter question yeah. for like a tiger. Do you want to go ahead, Jules? No, go for it. I have a counter question. Do you think David Carl needs to go to the Barracuda or to the Sharks? Because I know that a lot of people, a lot of teams are very interested in David Carl from my understanding. I haven't looked too far into it, so, but I, um, the Barracuda seemingly need a, I, I ranted about a systems change earlier. I think that yeah. th- they could definitely use that. Um, where do you think Carl should go? Because to me, I know Scott Gordon was not the most beloved coach, head coach for Lehigh Valley before he became Sharks assistant coach. But to me, if you make a coaching change, you send Scott Gordon down to the AHL and then maybe David Carl gets an assistant job as a, with the Sharks. So, but they've already got their guy in waiting uh, in Warsawski. Yeah, they have their they guy do. in waiting. They do. Like, That's they the thing. have. Worsovsky better be the next Sharks head coach, and this is derailing a bit. I think um, I think with the CUDA, if we're going to see a coaching change, it's going to be at the end of the year. And if you don't see a coaching change, well, I'm going to blow up on this podcast. So, And any coach is better right now than McCarthy because this team just needs a restructure. Hey. Like I, I don't think it's going to affect their development as prospects um, per se. I think it's good to be in a winning environment, but I also don't think Greer's doug wilson where he's going to let this one coach sit and rot um, that's and that's know. that's the thing right i think that's the big question is is where is is like because obviously doug wilson you know i but here's the problem that i have and this is the suspicion i don't have anything to like i don't want to whatever my opinion <laughs> is is you that try that again <laughs> what my opinion of the my concern with the barracuda is and i think it's been the same way with when the ahl team was in worcester whatever is that it's always the place where they squeeze the pennies the tightest do we know how long mccarthy's contract was i don't know but i just my concern is like is if mike greer wants to make a move but can't because ownership says no we're fine with what we have at the ahl it's just the ahl it's fine 
And we're going to find that out, right? Because I don't know why Roy Sommer had such a long leash with with this team, right? Was it because Doug Wilson just thought he was the greatest thing ever? Or is it because ownership said, no, we're not doing that. This is fine because I don't want to spend the money there. I will be shocked if there isn't a coaching change just from the quotes that I've heard from Greer. I feel like Greer's and again, if it's ownership, then it's ownership. Like we can't do anything about that. Right. But if it, I, th- I think if it's Greer and Joe Will's hands, I think they know how important it is for these young kids to develop. Right. And not saying mm-hmm. McCarthy's stalling these guys development, but I think the Kudich need a change of pace right now um, because next year you're going to have a guy like Beastead come over in two years. You're going to have Musty and maybe Haltsy come over. Yeah. Um, and, and Holton is going to need some refining and McCarthy's not that coach to give Holton in that refining. It's hard because like you want to sell, like here's the, here's the most frustrating thing about the Barracuda. I want to come on here and tell you that the Barracuda matter, that you should be watching the Barracuda, that, you know, that this, like that this team is worth your time. And the frust the, the most frustrating part of the Barracuda, especially with the Sharks being as bad as they are this year, like, borderline historically bad is that I can't come on here with a straight face and tell you that the Barracuda should matter, that you should invest your extra time to be like, Oh, well, you know, the sharks are bad, but you should watch this other team too. I wish I, I want so badly to come on here and be like, yeah, you guys got to care about the Barracuda. You should care about the Barracuda because this team is fun. This team is like, you know, it's, it's, it's a cheaper ticket. It's more fun to watch. You know, this is the future of the team. How do I do that with a straight face? Especially if the organization yeah. not going to pay me to do it. That's what made it frustrating for me seeing the lack of offense, uh, off-season attention paid to the Barracuda and why mm-hmm. I said they had major holes in the roster going into training camp. Mm-hmm. Like this T this organization needs a boost somewhere and the Sharks are clearly not it. The Sharks are going the opposite direction. Right. And so the Barracuda should not also be going the opposite direction because how are the sharks going to get any better? Like the Barracuda I, I, do need to step forward, to take a step forward. The resources do need to be put into this team. Yeah. And you're right. I, I don't know if it's an ownership thing or what, a managerial thing, but the resources don't seem to be there. And that's how you end up with no real substantial promotion of the all-star classic coming in two weeks, for example. Or um, that's how your veterans all leave every season. Yeah. Like Pouliot yeah. and Chris Guolo and Agazino requesting a trade out <laughs> and Martin Kout going back to Czech Republic uh, or Czechia. Sorry. Um, yeah. that uh, The culture doesn't seem to have changed. And until yeah. that improves, I don't know how this team gets better, guys. So I, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I think you're you're spot on that. We want to tell you, come watch this team. This is a great team. It's fun. They're they're fun. I mean, the games are still fun to go to, despite the team being very bad on the they ice. Don't get me wrong. But we go to have a good time. There's nothing wrong with watching good hockey while we have a good time, right? Is that <laughs> exactly. too much to ask? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I will say this, the CUDA, not to defend the CUDA, but they definitely didn't have that young wave like they did two years ago with like the wave of that Eklund wave, the Robbins wave board, like that whole wave kind of came in. And so this year, like I love Cardwell. I love Mukamadulin. They're not that 
same wave as we had two years ago. So yeah. I will say this: they didn't have that like young wave this year, um, which I think is part of why there are some holes in the lineup because a lot of their main guys uh, did graduate. Um, yeah. But that's not an excuse. Again, I don't think the Sharks care about the Cuda. If there's no coaching change, I think that's going to prove it even more. But yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna finish on this, and then we're gonna get into grades because we're kind of gone a yep. little while here. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think that. The, the thing that's also got to be concerning for the Sharks is that obviously, like, they've drafted a lot of college talent. Now, college mm-hmm. guys, if they stay in college for four years and they don't sign that August, they can become free agents. Yep. And, you know, obviously, like, a junior player has a little less wiggle room, right? Like, he's going to age out. He has to, he has to go somewhere. So the AHL, you know, that's where they might end up and that might be palatable for them. But if, but if I'm some of these college guys and I'm saying, well, you know, maybe my game's not quite ready for the AHL yet, but their AHL team can't hold their veterans. Their AHL team can't, you know, never is in contention for anything. Is that the best path for me to get to the NHL? And then they sign somewhere else. That's yeah. that's my concern. Yeah, we've seen we've seen too many marches come around where the only players that seem to come in to the organization from college are the who mm-hmm. they, they 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 graduated from what college? <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't even know they had a hockey program. <laughs> and so how are you going to bring in how are you going to convince the the players that we do draft? to sign here that's a good point yeah yeah and but yeah. something to consider but our grades will be much higher i'm sure we'll find a way to grade our, our the individual no players because to me guys i actually think there is talent on this team the players themselves there there's some good players on this team but as a team it's not working and that's that's I don't. It's not up for me to decide how they're going to do that, but someone Lacey who gets for paid Barracuda to do it head to coach. It out. Lacey so, for Barracuda yeah, head so coach. Let's get that going. Sorry. sorry oh, oh no! I said it's not <laughs> no. up for up to me. <laughs> um, so I, because so I kind of did my grades, and then I kind of looked, and I'm like, so these grades feel high for a team that's in dead last. So I mean, the way I kind of looked at my grade, the way I graded people, and I, I'll let you guys explain your your methodology the way i kind of graded them is kind of like where i think they are where i think they should be and i kind of graded everyone in a bubble like obviously this team is bad so maybe when people are done they'll be like wow ian kind of graded some guys really high and that's fine let me know in the comments if if you believe that that's a thing that i did or if you have a a disagreement uh with the way i've graded a guy but i kind of tried to look at each player in a bubble and kind of just tried to you know look at where they are where i think they should be at this point and and how well they're kind of meeting where I think they are compared to where they should be, if that makes any sense. Um, Kevin, how did you do yours? Yeah, I essentially did the same exact thing as you, Ian. Um, I look at, I, I kind of graded based off of their individual play, as well as what I expected them, of them going into the season versus where they are now. But I'll, I'll the ones that that factors in, I'll definitely mention that all right uh jules any did you basically same thing as you guys um yeah i didn't i didn't really give good instruction i said grade these players 
be ready to go. Um, so I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that we kind of all did the same thing anyway. Uh, uh, it sounds so, like a, that sounds like a Barracuda staff coach staff meeting. There we go. Um, go out and play your right, best. So I'm going to start job. with, I think, who's probably going to be graded very high. And that is, of course, uh, Daniel Gushin, who has been just great this year. Uh, Daniel Gushin, it's an A-plus for me. I think that his game has his game. I, I love the way his game has changed. When I first started seeing Daniel Gushin last year, my concern with him was he was a player who I thought was he was really talented, but he tried to do a lot by himself. And this year, he's really kind of flipped the script on that. Like he's got a ton of goals. I think he's at 12 goals in the season, but his assist totals are, you know, through the roof. Now, I think he's up to 21 assists now. 20 20 21 yeah it's 20 or 21 like you know a guy who thought oh yeah it's this great shot like he's the way his game has kind of evolved i really really liked his game so he's an a plus for me uh who wants to go next sure uh oh lace no oh, okay cool um i think i mean i think we're all gonna have I'll the make same grade next time oh <laughs> uh, no you're okay i think we all have the same grade. I mean, A plus for Gushin. Um, I've loved Gushin as a prospect ever since they drafted him. Uh, he's the only third rounder that I think will ever hit for the Sharks. I'm kidding. Um, I mean, Thomas Grice was, was hit for the Sharks, so yes, there yes, is that. Yes, yes. But like, I think I thought last year was a good like intro year, and I was hoping Gush would take that next step up and like you know start carrying this team because that's now his team now. Um, and he's done that. He's done everything this team has asked him to do. Um, I, I think he's developed in a lot of categories. His defensive play is getting better slowly but surely. Um, so, yeah, A-plus, no other comment. I think Daniil Gushin gets a B. Ooh. So Gushin has been the best player on this team, and that's not saying much. I think that as a smaller player, Gushin needs – he's got that upward battle going forward against him at all times so you talk about why doesn't he get called up uh because he's not six foot one for one i think if he was six foot one doing the things he does he's already up in the nhl uh but he's not the not super quick not super slippery he does have a lot of individual skill and i like where you went ian with he's found a way to use his teammates more effectively. And I think that is the biggest step up that Gushin has made this season. Um, he has made some progress in the defensive zone, but uh, as my friend Sean on the Calder Farmstead likes to point out, Gushin's not going up to the NHL to be an, a, a defensive forward. So his defensive deficiencies can be overlooked a little bit in this particular case, but he's got to have the other intangibles, and I don't know if I see that with Gushin. Um, I, I still want to see more. I want to see him get faster on his feet, make quicker plays, uh, and then that's where he'll get to an A range for me. So right now he's a B, but um, a solid B. Fair enough. All right. Um, next up would be Thomas Bordelow. Um, I gave him a B plus. I did not like Thomas Bordalo's game at all to start the season. I was not even remotely upset when they sent him down. In fact, I feel like I was calling for him to be sent back to the Barracuda at the start of the season because I don't think he was that good in the NHL. Um, I think that he did, once he did find his mojo, um, he did start going again. Um, and But 
he he did get going and i think once he got going like you definitely saw he kind of got that swagger left i i'm starting to have questions though about nhl upside with thomas bordelow a little bit um i'm not completely off the bordelow train but uh i i do have to like look at the map and see where the stops are coming up um I think he's a B plus. It's unfortunate he's been he's injured now because I think that you know every time the Barracuda seem to get weapons back, they lose another one. Um, I would love to see what this team would do if they had, you know, some of these younger guys that they've relied on heavily to be healthy. Yeah, for me, Thomas Bortolo also gets a B. Um, it's kind of the same reasons as Gushin in, in, in respect of he's a smaller forward who has an uphill battle mm-hmm. and he needs to show me more of um, improvement in areas that, where he's not already strong. So we know Bordalo has a, a fantastic shot. I still think he's more of a playmaker than a shooter, but he's got a fantastic shot. And this season, I think he has shown he's more than just a one trick pony doing that one timer from Pouliot or the one-timer from Eklund or whatever. We're seeing more offense on the rush and more jam to his game, more drive to the net. So I think he is going in there and showing, hey, I won't be pushed around despite my size. Um, But I do think that his conditioning is, is constantly under scrutiny from the organization, and I don't see him... showing that he's overcome that. I don't think he's... He plays to pace uh, at times, and I think that's why David Quinn doesn't seem to be his biggest fan, and uh, that that's blocking him from getting called up right now. Plus, he's hurt. But I think Bordalo has like a game like tonight, game this series against Charlotte needed Thomas Bordalo yeah. to come out there and score a clutch goal. Um, he was sorely missed there, and he has been the last little while. But uh, Bordalo gets a B for me. Jules. Um, all right. I'm sorry, Thomas Bordalo in advance. Um, I'm going to go B minus. I have not been impressed with Bordalo this year. <laughs> Just he's one of the prospects I'm genuinely concerned for. Uh, even when before his injury, I like genuinely he wasn't super hot before he got injured. Like he wasn't he kind of it feels like this year at the start had a really rough stint in the NHL went sent back to the AHL and is now was trying to find his swagger. And he has some games where he's on it. Like he's a beast. Some games, just the lack of consistency with Bordalo right now is just, there's, there's a lack of consistency. Some nights he's putting up three points. Yeah. Like if you look at his game sheet, other nights he's has a minus three. Um, he, it feels like he's almost taken that next step that I would have liked him to take with his, like his secondish year turning pro but it's just it hasn't been there for me this year for me to like grade him any higher um i just i don't know like he has developed his other skills i i will give him that like in the offensive zone he started to like again there's not just that one trick mm-hmm. um but there's just i feel like there's more with bordelo that's just we are not seeing this year at all and i feel felt like we saw it last year more before that all-star break so be minus for me um next on the list is mr brandon co uh i gave brandon co a c oh i was gonna say start with me so we can build this up fire it i give brandon co an f wow brandon co is a six foot four angel on the ice the only time i saw him deliver any kind of a hit was when he hit justin sordiff from behind 
And guess what happened tonight? Justin sort of got his revenge, hit him up high, and knocked him out of the game. Brandon Coe, yes, he's scored seven goals. He also hasn't scored in 13 games. Why? Because he's not a contributor on the ice. Most of, most of his goals this season have been him standing in front of the net, either deflecting a puck or, or knocking in a rebound off someone else's shot. And you need players like that. But Brandon Coe is a player who should be just barreling in on the defense, the uh, opponent's defense. I see no drive in his game at all. He's just a guy. There's no room for a six foot four guy, in my opinion, who's supposed to be one of our better prospects. So until he shows any semblance of being one of his the better prospects on this team, he's an F. Damn. Jules, go ahead. I was gonna give Cohen F also. Wow. Um, I'm oh like man I, i'm not i've been purely disappointed with co um and one of my friends was like that's the worst player on the ice who knows nothing about hockey by the way this friend was she was like who's that guy he's just not playing well and he's just he's not using his frame well it's not clicking at all for him i don't know what's going on who knows but like i've just been thoroughly disappointed i was disappointed with him last year but i gave him some slack because it was his first year turning pro um, now, I don't know if it's McCarthy maybe holding that guy back. Don't know, but it's an F for me. I've been thoroughly disappointed with his season so far. He's just kind of floating on the ice, not doing anything, which is fine, but you're not even, con- like, he's just not contributing at all to this team, it feels like right now. So it- it's an F for me. All Damn. right, build him back up, Ian. I, <laughs> I didn't expect that. See- no, look at Brandon Coe is one of the most frustrating players for me on this roster. F because we're for frustrating. <laughs> Because remember when we did our show, when we, when we were supposed to have Nick and we didn't, and I called him AHL Luke Cunning, and then he went on this, like, yeah. teeter, right? And it's like, yeah. and I was like, every time, like, I could, I'd be like, I called this guy AHL Luke Cunning. But he is AHL Luke Cunning. He is. And now he's going to go on a heater, because we... Because I called Good. him out. <laughs> Ian's shit list is going to be running low after like, this show. No, he, but he is AHL Luke Cunning. Like, he gets all these opportunities and can't do anything with them. And, like, I don't, like, you know what? I, I'll give Luke Cunning credit. Luke Cunning at least competes. I agree. There are nights where Brandon Coe just doesn't compete at all. I, he, I he's just, yeah. He's just there some nights, right? He's a six-foot-four perimeter player. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, and again, like, when you look at draft pedigree, like, this guy should be better. I mean, after his draft year, there was... A lot like his D plus one year, they, there was so much hype for him. I was so hyped for Brandon Cohen. Me too. I, was, I, yeah. I saw his highlights. His mm-hmm. hi- I don't see any semblance of his highlight reel with this team. Like I saw him just driving to the net, driving through players, not like physically, like just brutalizing players, but no. he showed no fear. And I, I just look at him being a complete softy. Right. And I I just I think that's the thing that bothers me. And I think like there's some nights where like you can see the tools. And I I think that's the most frustrating thing about Brandon Coe is like the tools are there. I don't know what lock he's put on the tool chest, though. That he can't seem to remember the combination to. That's the problem with Luke Cunning for me, because he's frustrating because I think you you see it in, in 
glimpses but the problem is is that's it that's all they are is glimpses you never other than that heater that he went on earlier in the season or even then you know i think kevin's right like he's you know you, you need those guys but don't you want that guy to be somebody different <laughs> like you know what i mean like that I, guy shouldn't be i, I noticed Co. riley bezo be much more effective in these two games for charlotte who riley bezo who He's basically Scott Sabarin, yeah. which we'll get to Scott Sabarin. Uh, there's a one I'm actually happy with. Uh, <laughs> but but Riley Bezo was way more effective in these two games than Brandon Coe. And he's an undrafted, like, ECHL guy who's been getting a, more opportunity than anyone ever expected in Charlotte. All right. Um, the next player on my list is Henry Thrun. I'm fascinated to see where you're going to go. Jules, I'll let you start. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to go with a B for Henry Thrun. Now, this might be too high based off Lacey's facial reaction. Um, but I think Henry Thrun, everyone kind of expect him to start in the NHL and just kind of take it running. And he struggled when he Mm -hmm. first got into like this year at the NHL, which was fine. But I think he went to the CUDA and just, I think he played well because I'm pretty sure like there's also a human side to hockey, which I think about with these grades, like, you know, getting sure. set down from the NHL, you thinking, hey, I'm going to be that guy. Look at that defensive core. It's worse than some AHL teams defensive course, like, you know, and then getting sent down. I think he played well for the CUDA. There's again, he's a young defenseman. There's going to be those defensive lapses. But I think for what the CUDA needed them to do and how they were struggling, he played well. He held his own. He didn't impress me. He didn't pop off in any way, which is how you get to that A category for me. Sure. He didn't impress me. He didn't pop off the boards. But he played well. Um, he deserved his call-up, even though I think it was just like, we need a human who's played in the NHL at that point. I, I would have liked to see him stay a little bit longer. Uh, he was streaky with his points. But, like, you're not, you know, I was expecting him to take more of a step in the AHL with points. But he played well. He was the mo- He was He was there. He played well. He got to be. Kevin. Yeah, uh, Henry Thrun gets a B from me as well. And I would like to give him an A. I actually think as a Barracuda player, he probably deserves an A. I thought he was very steady. I thought he was the best defenseman that the team has had this season when he was out there. Um, But I'm not giving him an A because I expected Henry Thrun to not ever play for the Barracuda this season. I actually thought he was going to solidify himself as a third pair. I didn't, I don't want to oversell him. Mm-hmm. I did think he'd solidify himself as a third pair NHL defenseman this season. So I was a bit surprised that he got sent back to the Barracuda. I wasn't needing that clear waivers. He, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that aside, that roster decisions aside, that's a good point. Uh, but I, I do think that, he was one of the only players who was playing mistake-free hockey in his own zone and the neutral zone when he was with the Barracuda. And Eric and Mark talked about it on After Dark last night. Like mm-hmm. he has looked better in this go-around with the Sharks than he did uh, the early on in the season. And I, I think the AHL time has has done him well. Yeah, I um I gave him a B minus. Um, I. I think is like maybe and maybe it's this is like you know recency bias is a hell of a drug, but I I think I've liked his game more with the Sharks than I have with the Barracuda, and maybe that impacted the grade a little bit. I really like Henry Thrun. Um, he you know he's a player who I've who I like, and I think he's a guy who. When I look at some of the guys that get to play defense for the Sharks, like especially like 
Nikita Hotuk, who I think should be with this Barracuda team right now, and he should have been there a long time ago. And a guy like Henry Thrun gets sent down instead. Like, that's maddening to me. Um, but I think he, you know, I think he was fine uh, defensively. Like, I think he's he's done really good. Um, I don't know. But I just, I liked, his, I liked his game better in the NHL than I did in the AHL. And maybe it's, again, recency bias from more recent games. I feel like we were expecting him to, like, take over the AHL and, like, be the star player and, like, you know, because he played so well for his final, like, nine games of that last season with the Sharks. I feel like I expect him to, like, go in and, like, take over the AHL and, like, be that, like, kind of be a star in the AHL, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And and it just wasn't there, and that's okay. Um, Yeah, and maybe I just had too high expectations for him in the AHL. Yeah. Maybe that's on me. I don't know. I I, I came in a little bit under. I like what Jules said that thought he'd have a little bit more offense in the AHL because uh, yeah. I don't think he's much of an offensive defenseman. He he really only came to be, if that, his senior year for Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think he was one of those guys who might suddenly bust out offensively at, at the pro level and uh, at least at the AHL. And that didn't really happen. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I thought he was steady defensively. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Leon Gavonke. Um, not Henry Thrun. Not Henry Thrun. I gave Leon Gavonke an A minus. I think he's done everything that we kind of expected him to do coming into this team. He's he's definitely helped put points, uh, given this team points from the blue line, which I think they really lacked last year. Um, I think he's come in and done everything as advertised. I I like him. Um, I, I it's a player who, again, I think if you when you consider like the roster management situations he's a guy i'm surprised hasn't gotten a sniff at the nhl a little bit but i think as far as like the barracuda he's been one of the few bright spots kevin i'm a little torn about the grade for leon gavanka um i think i'm giving him a b plus uh i think offensively he has been fantastic uh he's shown exactly what he was last year for manitoba which was a pure offensive dynamite defenseman who scores or makes offensive plays at clutch times. Uh, one of the things where I think it actually ranks higher than where I detract from is he's an angry man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I like him like, so much. Leon Kavanka, it's funny too, because Leon Kavanka, I've, I've talked to him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. What a nice guy. Happy go lucky and big lucky big smile on his face. Looks like he enjoys the world. But like I mentioned Justin Sordiff with that kind of a cheap shot on Brandon Coe tonight. Leon Gavanka was out there looking like Scott Saber and go, like all right, someone's going to die right now. <laughs> Who do I have to go kill? You just hurt my teammate. Like he is such a stand-up player, and I love that. Like Leon Gavanka, I think has had four fights this season. Mm-hmm. I've never expected that, especially <laughs> when you're talking a pure offensive defenseman. So that that gets big ups for me. But boy, Leon Gavanka makes a lot of defensive has a lot of defensive lapses. Sure. And so I, I look at like. My boy Tim Heed, or I know there's another player who's escaping me right now. I'm thinking, I thought Tim Heed was more well-rounded than Leon Gavanka is. 
Um, but yeah, he gets a B plus because I think he's had a lot of positive effects. Uh, it's just that if he was better defensively, he'd be in the NHL right now. But <laughs> then again, huh, uh, are the Sharks really that good defensively? So. I don't know. Nikita Hoti gets to stick around. So, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Watch a Hotik have like the best week of his He's life. He's gonna now. come and like kill me one of these days. Oh, absolutely, like... Ian. And and Leon Kavanka, I seriously thought when he got sent back to the AHL, I thought it was bye. I'm going back to my four year contract that I had in Ad- with Adler Mannheim at the start right. of the off season. I thought he was gone. So the fact that he's even stuck around this long, um, thanks for <laughs> thanks for being here, Leon. We've needed you. Yeah, I, he's, I like him. Go ahead, Jules. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was hyped when they traded for this guy. Like, I think it was for Kanijov, if I'm not mis- not Kanijov, the other Kanijov. Thank you. Um, I was really excited because I thought he would be a really good addition to either the Sharks getting offense for the blue line or the Kuda getting offense from the blue line. Like, he's a very much so offensive defenseman. Um, I was not expecting him to be this mad or have fight like Lacey said um but i'm gonna give him a a minus i thought he was you know he came in he need we, he, we needed an offensive defenseman i think to produce points from the blue line and that's exactly what he's done you're not gonna get much defense out of that guy just not gonna happen um but yeah i've liked him i think he's really savvy with the puck um i think he's helped this cuda team a lot with the breakout and there's a reason why the cuda's breakout is a lot more cleaner than a shark's breakout and you look uh. at a guy gavanke is a big reason why uh, and I've also really just liked the Mukamadul and Gavanke pairing um, I thought that was one of the smart decisions McCarthy has made this year and that has been very little so an A- minus for me for Gavanke Shakir Mukamadulin Kevin uh, yeah you know Shakir Mukamadulin I think he I, I've said it I think every show so far that being paired with a defenseman like Leon Gavanka is exactly what he needs because that's probably the type of defenseman he would play with in the NHL when he does get there. I think Le- uh, Muhammad Doolin gets a B, though, because um, <clears throat> I think it w- might have been Michael or like a tiger in the Discord chat. Maybe it was Jesse. There's a bunch of, bunch of you guys. I love you guys in the Discord chat. You guys. We do bring a lot of good good conversation there about the Barracuda and the prospects and someone there said that Muhammad Doolin like he's got a decent shot but his and and, and he does hold the zone pretty well offensively but he doesn't know how to manage the puck when he gets it in the offensive zone and I thought that was a really like I, it made me think a bit and yeah he does he kind of fumbles around with it a bit uh, forces shots he doesn't have to, things like that. So that's from an offensive standpoint. I think his bread and butter is defense, and I think it's been pretty darn good this season. I think he's been, uh, especially after Thrun went, got called up, I think Muhammad Doolin has been the, the steadiest defenseman, the most reliable. But he's still learning. He's still growing. And, man, he's got to become more physical. Like, you mm-hmm. see flashes of it where it's like yeah get in there dig in there Shakir but those moments are few and far between and that needs to become more consistent before I want to see him get called up Gavanka needs to give him some of the anger (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. um I gave him a b plus um I feel like 
kind of a lot of echoing a lot of what Kevin said, right? Like there's, there's parts of his game that I really like. There's some parts that I do have concerns with. I think the way, you know, like he kind of, you'd kind of like, in order to be a, a good defenseman in the NHL, there has to be an offensive upside to your game, whether that be, you know, being able to, to, to hold the puck in the offensive zone or whatever. Like, I think he makes, I think he makes a great first pass. Like, I think he does, he breaks out well, but you know, you still need them. You still, you still want, I just want a little bit more when you're in the offensive zone and you want to make sure that the puck, if it goes to Muhammadul and like, it's not going to go out because he seems like you said, kind of just uncomfortable with the puck in the offensive zone. Um, but I've liked this game a lot. And I think, look at coming over first year in North America, it's a different game over here. Um, I can't stress that enough. I think there's, I think there's definitely a learning curve there. And I think for the most part though, I mean, I think he's acclimated really well to the North American game so far. So, you know, that's, I think that's why I gave him the B plus. Cause I think he's acclimated pretty well. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I think that the, I still think the sky's the limit for this dude. I think he's going to just keep getting better um, yeah. as he goes on. I think he's, I think he's about, you know, I, I think I want just a little bit more from him though. I think given the pedigree and everything else, Jules, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with B. I was really impressive how he uses his stick. Like he just has yeah. this like long reach and his stick most of the time is flawlessly placed. Like there's really ever where I'm like, what are you doing with your stick, bud? Because you know how some players will just wail it, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing with your stick, man? Um, but I'm going to give him a B. Like, Ian, I was ki- I know he's not going to be that offensive defenseman, but like, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more offense coming into this year from him, this season from him, and it might be like playing with a guy like Avake kind of, you don't really need to worry about that because he's yeah. just going to do everything for you. Um, I was expecting a little bit more offense out of him. I thought defensively he he's going to be super like, again, there's a learning curve, but I've been really impressed with his defense with the lack thereof of structure on this team. Um, but yeah, overall was expecting a little bit more offensively, but defensively I could have not asked for anything else. Like, of course there's a learning curve and he still got improved in a lot of areas, but yeah, he gets a B for me. Um, Radim Shimmick. I will go first. I gave Radim Shimmick an A. Um, and here's why one Radim Shimmick's a plus 10 on this, on this team. He is a plus 10. Um, I think, look at Radim Shimmick's had some injury, his like injury problems. I think it's really, you know, this guy was an NHL like regular two seasons ago. And I think he's come down. I think he's been a very steady stabilizing force on this blue line. I know this team isn't very good defensively. But I think that he's come down. I think he plays hard every night. And I think for a guy who is basically fighting for his hockey career right now, um, that's exactly what you want to see from a guy like Radim Shimmick. I think Shimmick has come down. I think he's done a great job on this team. I think he's, he, you know, you can tell that he's a leader on this team. Um, and I, I think that's what you want from a guy, you know, who's probably not playing where he wants to be. But I think he's made the most of it. I give Radim Shimmick a lot of credit for what he's done with this with this Barracuda team being as bad as it is. Um, you know, a guy like him who, you know, who's basically riding out his contract now could have completely taken his foot off the gas and just been whatever else. Go back to Europe next year. Someone will sign me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Kevin. 
I agree with everything you said. I give Redeem Shimmick an A. Redeem Shimmick has not complained. Nick Nick has even said like he mm-hmm. seems like a guy. He understands his role. He comes in. He does his job. He doesn't complain about it. Sure, he wants to be an NHL defenseman. Who doesn't? But uh, he he knows that he needs to be a leader for this young core. I think it's stressed even more when we talk about what a deplorable deployment uh, the the group has been this year in their own zone um, from the coaching staff. Um, it's kind of weird. I'll get to it, but like I'm like I gave Thrun a B, I gave Gavanka a B, I gave uh, Muhammad Doolin a B. I'm giving Shimmick an A. They're all defensemen. How the heck are you saying this team is terrible defensively? <laughs> right. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But Redeem Shimmick has he. There are times where he carries this team on his back. Like we, the, the Barracuda are down three nothing to start the game. Shimmick's like, screw this. I'm going to be the first man in on the rush, mm-hmm. trying to, to to get this game back on the tracks. Like if if he needs to play in either zone, all three zones. He'll go and do it. He doesn't care. He he's out there to be a, a winner and a leader. And I've loved that about Shimmick's game this year. He gets an A. Jules. Everything else said. Redeem Shimmick gets an A. Like he's handled the situation perfectly. Um, I honestly kind of want him to stick around in the CUDA for next year, but that's probably not gonna happen. Um, but you know, he's like when they were down three one and then made that comeback, I forgot what game it was. I'm sorry, my memory's like a goldfish right now but like they've been down 3-1 a lot Jules uh, you know but like one game when they came I don't remember guys I'm sorry but like you know he's taken this team on his back and the fact that he's a plus on this team is beyond how is my first question to Shimmick um, he's done everything I think that could be asked of him um, so he gets a name kind of everything what you guys have said mm-hmm. uh, Nikolai Knizhov Kevin uh, it's Nikolai Kanisha, I almost want to give him an incomplete <laughs> in some ways. Um, I, I I guess I'd have to give him a C plus. It's he hasn't been bad. He's just I think his mobility, I think he looks very strong skating wise. Like he's had the knee injuries. I think he has really put in a lot of work into building that game back up. I thought it was either last night or the Bakersfield, the the last Bakersfield game, but he was really moving around uh, in every direction very well. But I wonder if he's still trying to find the rest of his game now that he's got his footing back. And I know I I spoke with him at the season ticket holder skate and I told him, like, keep your chin up because, like, the team has a plan for you. It Obviously, you want to be in the NHL. And he was like, yeah, I really miss being in the NHL. I'm like, I know, of course, you want miss being in the NHL. Sure. But don't don't look at this as demotion. Look at this as a we want you to get back on your feet. And he he seemed to appreciate that. And I appreciated the fact that he was wearing a turtleneck that night and I was not. And I felt very upset. But uh, <laughs> Nikolai Kanizhov, though, I think he's still f- trying to find his game. And until he f- finds it, I don't know that I can give him more than a C plus. 
Yeah, so here's this is a player that I struggled with. Uh, as far as like all the grades go, this is the one I struggled with the most because yeah. I think Knizhov, like, he was another guy who I'm like, send him down. Like, he wasn't getting regular reps in the NHL. Yeah. And I understand that there's, you know, obviously waiver concerns. But I'm like, send him down. Like, get, get him regularly playing again. Um, and the Sharks finally did that. There's not a whole lot of body of work here. I gave him a B. I think that he's mm. kind of like he's I, I feel like he's he's kind of like similar to to Bortolo, right? Where like I think he finally is starting to get his swagger back. I like this I think there's I think there's an NHL defenseman here. I just think, I think so too. I, I just think that the Sharks, you know, Mike Greer for whatever reason just really loaded up on a lot of veteran guys mad defenders like just like an obscene amount of just a glut of just these veteran guys that are you know they're nhl defensemen sure but should they all be nhl defensemen on the same team probably not (laughs) yeah yeah right so i've it's hard right because it's another player where like i i kind of agree it was like i really struggled with where to put him I'm going to put on a B. I think my love for the player might be a little, there might be a little tilt into glasses here. I'm not going to lie, but that's, that's where I have him. Um, Jules. Um, I was going to go with B again. I don't feel like there's enough here to grade him mm-hmm. on like just genuinely. Cause the sharks took forever to send him down. Right. Cause of fucking waivers. Um, which makes sense. But Nikita Hoji gets to stay up. I don't understand. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Stop Nikita Hochuk is gonna pull up like a plus five this week with like four goals, and I'm gonna laugh. Um, or he's gonna like get Russian to come to my house. One or the other. Um, I lost, but I, I again, I don't feel like there's enough to grade him. Like genuinely, like Lacey said, there's just not enough to grade him. I think, yeah. I think he's looked good for him coming back from an, in all of those injuries that he's had. I think like, he's looked good, and I think over time he's just gonna get better. Um. Yeah, kind of what you guys said. I'm going to go with a B here. All right. Um, Valtteri Pooley. <clears throat> I gave Valtteri Pooley a D. I don't like Valtteri Pooley. <laughs> I, I don't know what's there. I don't know what kind of defenseman Valtteri Pooley is supposed to be. He's such a guy. I don't know. Like, I just, I haven't liked his game it's and like if i have noticed him it's for the wrong reasons and i i don't know man like i Walter i don't think i gave anyone an f three, three minus think, threes this season I, I think d is the lowest i, I forget get. he plays i don't notice him half the time when he's on the ice like i notice him for the wrong reasons yeah sorry, yeah. And I- yeah, I just I, I i never i didn't give anyone an f so i think d is the lowest grade i gave out and it's Valtteri Pooley. Jules. I lovingly put forgot this man was on the team for like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna be blunt there, but whatever he plays, like is it so he's six foot six. I don't feel like he uses his size properly. No. As a defender, I feel like if you're six foot six and GMs love their fucking six foot six defensemen, 
They love them, even if they can't skate for shit. Not saying Pooley can't skate, but like he just doesn't uses his size well. I kind of started noticing him for the wrong reasons. And when the Shirk signed him, I was super pumped because I was like, great. He seems like, you know, I wasn't like super pumped. I was excited because it's a six foot six defenseman. I became a GM for a second. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. He's going to actually use his size. And he just didn't. He's yeah. had some defensive lapses. So like, and like, now here's he's going to go up. Right. And- like, this is a guy who, you know, and, and again, defenseman playing first season on North America, he played in Finland last year. So not, you know similar ice but not exactly the same um but like i don't know man i I, again like maybe maybe this is a situation where like you know after a season maybe he figures it out and um hopefully he improves but i just i don't think he's adapted to the north american game very well and he was also i think injured for some of this season so like no no shade to you pooley like hopefully you figure it out (laughs) Yeah, I know that Walter Pooley has had uh, injury issues recently. He's missed four of the last five games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's more of a nagging thing. Um, he's been kind of in and out of the lineup this season, so I do give him a, a D for that. But I, I, my expectations of him weren't super high because, as you mentioned, Jules, uh, GMs love them, some six foot six defensemen. So for him to go undrafted, there clearly was were flaws in his game coming in. Um, I got to talk with him for a bit. I had a pretty fun conversation, lighthearted conversation. I was telling him he needs to develop the Burnsy butt check. Now that Burns is gone, <laughs> I said, you're six foot six. Uh, he was telling me. How about me, the starfish? Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, Walter E. Pooley has told, told me out up front, he said, the pace is a lot faster than he was expecting it to be. Yeah. Uh, you're right, Ian, about the, the Finnish league's kind of weird because they have rinks of all shapes and sizes. Right, yeah, yeah. Like. And a lot of them are comparable to North American ice, but at the same time, not. So Pooley told me that it's not so much adapting to the ice. It's been adapting to the pace. He says they, they play at a lot more uh, feverish pace, a lot higher intensity than he was used to. And so that's caught him off guard. And so he was considered a mobile defenseman by Finnish standards, but um, here it's not really showing. And, and as an offensive minded defenseman who has put up almost no offense, it shows that he is still working his way through what he can and can't do here. Um, another thing is that Walter E. Pooley has been playing almost all right side defense and he's a left side defenseman. So he has now been having to adapt to playing in a new country for the first time and learning the opposite side of what he's used to. So he gets a D, but I understand why he gets a D and hopefully, like you said, next year, I think he's under contract for another year. Hopefully he can take what he learns this season and apply it in the off season to come out that much. You know, look at Kinesia. Now I said it. Artemi Kenyatsev, how terrible he was in year one and how much better he was last year. I hope Pooley can make that same kind of stride. Yeah. Uh, He is under contract for next year. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, I I think the one thing that I do want to like caveat, right? Again, it's, it's, it's a different pace. It's also 
like he's 22 like he's just he's young right so yeah, yeah. there's definitely yeah. i think there's room there to grow i just don't think this season has gone very well for him and it just no think that's just you know i think it's 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 a fair grade unfortunately and um, like wait can i add one more thing to Pooley? 100 percent. like like i've said with I've said this with goalies and I'll say this with defensemen. Defensemen, like, when they, like, develop is such a weird game and thing because, like, they take a lot longer to develop than, like, a forward does. Like, it takes them just a while to pick up the pace of how fast the pros are. So, like, who knows next year Pooley, I think, will come in and be so much better. So, like, just giving the guy some credit, like, it, it's a hard-ass league to adapt for, especially as as a defenseman and especially playing under this structure right now that the CUDA have. All right. Uh, next, we're going to get into the goalies, uh, and then we'll get into everyone else uh, next up. So we're going to go with the goalies first. So the first goalie we are going to talk about is Magnus Krona, who we already talked about a little bit uh, earlier. Jules, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, he had a rough start to the season. Um, like the, the with I will say with the Barracuda goalies, it feels like every week there's a new goalie who's like, oh, he might be something, and then he just kind of disappoints us in like two weeks. Um, so I will say there has been a lot of that this season with the goalies, but I'll give Krona a B for what the Sharks put him through like two weeks ago saying you're starting your game versus oh, you're starting your first NHL game versus the Oilers. He's bounced back extremely well. Um, I, I, I think there's a goalie in there somewhere and I've been really his grade has definitely gone up this past week with how he's played because it feels like he's steadied this CUDA team. And if he continues playing like that for the rest of the year, his grade is just going to go up. So for me, it's a B. Uh, Kevin? I'm going to give him a C-plus for the same reasons. I, I love his ability to bounce back. I think he's been in some really crummy situations in both the NHL and the AHL this season. And he got off to a real rough start. Like at the start of the season, I would have said F. Uh, but he's really built his game back up. And right now he's add a C plus to me. I gave uh, Magnus Krona a B plus and he's the highest uh, spoiler alert. He is the highest uh, I rated of, of the three goalies. The thing with Magnus Krona that's impressed me, I have questions about his game converting to an NHL game um, because I think he's a, he is a goalie who relies a lot on his positioning and I don't think his lateral movement's very good. Um, and I just, I don't think it's at an NHL level. That being said, this guy came in, uh, didn't have his game sorted even at the AHL level. Gets called up because of injury. Gets thrown into a the you know one of those ten goal against games. He had no business. He didn't. He didn't have a game in the AHL. Like, what are we doing putting him in that in the NHL? Like, I thought it was such an awful thing to do to the guy. You know, but. You know, for for someone to start the season like that, like we've seen goalies where like a situation like that derails their whole season. And to Magnus Krona's credit, he's bounced back every time he's been kind of put in one of these situations. You know, he gets called up again and then he starts they start him against Edmonton, who was just starting to go on a tear. Um, You know, uh, a, a team like that, obviously, I think had underwhelmed in the first part of the season. I think that's fair to say about the Edmonton Oilers. I think there was something obviously wrong with McDavid at the start of the season, but by the time Corona's starting against them, McDavid's healthy. This team's all starting to click. And again, he goes back down to the AHL after that. Uh, not a good game for him by any stretch of the imagination. Now the team in front of him owes him dinner forever. 
after the way they played in front of him also, but goes back down to the AHL and, and gets back to work. And it seems like no matter how hard this guy gets knocked down, he gets up and not only does he get up, but he gets better after it. He's better for it. Um, I, I've liked Megas Corona. I, I do have questions if there's an NHL goalie there, but I think for a guy who's getting his first taste of pro hockey, I think he's done well, especially considering some of the shit he's gone through this season. Um, so next up is, uh, E2 Makiniemi. Um, I guess I'll start here. I gave Makiniemi a C. Um, I probably being generous. This is a guy who has gone through, uh, who has gone through it injury wise. And I, maybe there's, you know, maybe this is a guy where you, maybe you want to give an incomplete to, although, um, the Barracuda seem to want to play him over Romanov, which is a choice. I think, I don't think like, I don't last year, there was a lot of grumbling down the stretch about how they played Aaron Dell and they wouldn't bring Strauss man up, but I understood it. Cause I don't think like, I think Strauss man was fine, but he wasn't good. Um, I don't think I, I, I think Georgie Romanov is, has been at least good. Like maybe, you know, again, like getting his first taste of pro hockey, North America, everything else. But like McEnany is the guy who's supposed to be the veteran. This is supposed to be his team. Um, and he just, despite getting chances to kind of retake the throne, he's kind of stumbled every time. And I think it's frustrating. I'm probably too generous here. But again, you know, I do want to acknowledge the injury issues. Jules. Um, I'm going to say C minus also because of the injury issues. And again, I, I am trying to count the human aspect of this. Sure. Just, just, just like not that much. I know it's about the hockey and stuff, but like the, he has gone through a lot of injuries. Uh, I was expecting him to come in here and take over the throne for the starting goaltender for the Barracuda. And he just hasn't done that. He's lacked some consistency. There's some games where I'm like, okay, I think he found his game a little, and the next game is just, boy, it's off the rails real quick. Um, so, yeah, it's a C minus, the injuries plus lack of consistency. And, like, he, he's just, he's not looking right this year. So, C minus. What do you got for yeah. Uh, E2? Yeah, yeah, he's not looking right this year. I'm going to give him a C minus as well. Um, and this is, really does not have anything to do with the game he started last night. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> let's actually not forget that he started the season three and two believe it or not and looked like he was trending upward about six weeks ago but uh since then it's kind of fallen off the rails and he just i don't we don't know if there's still injuries creeping in here and there so i don't want to like grade him too harshly but he is the guy who was expected to just be the number one goalie this year and Mm -hmm. he's looking anything from that uh or or anything except that so keep it simple he gets a c minus i think he's still got potential to seize the number one job but um, I kind of want to 
get into Romanov and then give my overall thoughts on the goaltending. Yeah, sounds good because I kind of want to do the same. Uh, Ticklefish says, great job, guys and gal. Very enjoyable listen. I'm glad that you are enjoying the show, obviously. Again, like like I said, this is something that we're going to try and get off the ground uh, a little more regularly so we can get a little more um barracuda content on the youtube channel because that's what we are we're a youtube channel so we should probably have our content there um uh georgie romanov i guess i'll i'll, I'll throw it back to you kev um where, where do you got georgie so i'm gonna give him a b minus right now um he's the highest my highest of the three goaltenders and this is one where it's what he's hit performance versus expectation is yeah. totally factoring in here because Romanov definitely does not have the best stats of the three goalies. In fact, I believe he may have the worst, uh, but is worst is okay. All right. But Romanov has, I think been in the games where the team has played their worst. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I think Romanov in most of his starts has been the lone bright star in those games for the most part. So you see games where it's like, I think like four of the last five, he's given up at least four goals against. And that's probably why he's in Wichita right now. Uh, But I think that um, the fact that he's even played a third of the number of games that, or, you know, like three times as much as I was expecting to see him this season is, is a plus. I actually thought Beck warm had a more of an opportunity to get games in than Georgi Romanov did to start the year. So um, I think that the team just needs to play better in front of him. And collectively, I think the structure has failed all three goalies, which is why I kind of kind of lump them in the same grade range. I think that no one has really stood out, but in a negative or a positive way. And mostly because this team's structure is non-existent. Yeah. Uh, Jules, go ahead. Um, Yeah. Again, my expectations for Romanov were like him and Beck warm were kind of on the same level for me. Genuinely. I was like, these guys are have no shot in making they're going to be our ACHL goalies. Great. Let's move on with life. Um, He's just really impressed me throughout this whole year. Again, the structure does not help goalies right now for the sharks or the CUDA. So like their numbers are not going to be what they're supposed to be. Um, But he's made some ridiculous saves. I remember they were playing the Wranglers and he outbattled Dustin Wolf, who's arguably one of the, who is the best goalie in the AHL maybe other than Askarov. Um, but like, you know, this guy from my expectations of him just completely blew me out of the waters. Um, so for that, he's getting a B just cause purely cause some of the games he's pulled are just simply ridiculous. Um, and he's kind of, he's been a bright spot on a CUDA team that has very minimal bright spots. It's a, for like two or three players. Yeah. I gave Georgia Romanov a B. Um, I think I've been like, again, he was a guy who it's, it, it, for me, I think it's a, it's like Kevin said, it's kind of an expectation versus reality situation where I thought he'd come in and he really surprised me. I didn't, even in the, like in the preseason, I didn't think much of Romanov. I'm like, yeah, okay, great, whatever. Um, but then when the game started to matter, um, uh, you know, Georgia Romanov came in and, and was a nice breath of fresh air for a team. Like I said, you know, uh, at the start of the season, Magnus Corona couldn't find his game at all. McInnemi was injured. And so, you know, it kind of fell to Romanov to to really carry the ship. And I thought he did well. 
Um, so I, I, I give him a B, right? And it's hard because I think like obviously like there's you know there's 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 rankings here. Like obviously the the organization looks at a, a guy like Makinyemi and, and they want to see him succeed because look they could trade you know Kapokakin and get traded at the deadline and they're gonna have to call someone up. And I think going into the season they were hoping that guy would be Makinyemi. And I don't think it is anymore. I think now that's Magnus Krona. Now, again, I already said, like, I don't know if I think there's an NHL goalie in Magnus Krona, but, you know, they could ride out the rest of the season and figure that out next year. Um, But, you know, again, it's a situation where you have so many goalies and not a lot of places to play them. Um, And that, that kind of bothers me because, again, like, you know, like Kevin alluded to early in the thing, I don't really pay attention to Wichita, but Wichita is one of the worst, is the worst team in the ECHL. Yeah. I'm just... corrected. They're the third worst team. Okay. <laughs> the third worst so team. So are they the but... best out of the three we follow? No, I'm kidding. But, but no. you know what I mean? Like, so it's a situation where it's like, God, can one of these guys just be in like in a, in a winning situation? Like, I understand like, you just, you just want one of these guys, right? And it's, it's a situation where, you know, you have three guys again, and now I'm starting to wonder, like, you know, is is Makinyemi maybe a guy that they trade as a, a throw-in for a player going forward? Because, event- like, eventually you want to get these guys playing, and you want to get these guys playing in good situations. Like, I think there's there's definitely, like, a, a, a purpose to the ECHL. And you see guys, especially goalies, you see a lot of goalies that start out in the ECHL and then work their way up. It's that's not uncommon. It's it's a lot more common for goaltenders to do that than any other position in hockey, to be honest. But but, you know, again, you want a guy like George Romanov, who I think has done good things to give you to get games in the AHL. You want them to, you know, to move up. So I'm I don't know what the plan is going forward for the team, but um, I've liked George Romanov. I, again, I don't know if there's an NHL goalie there. I don't think there's an I'm not sure there's an NHL goalie in this group. But I think for the AHL, I think they've all been they've been fine. Again, I said earlier, you look at overall. If your anger is with the goaltending on the Barracuda, you're not watching the games because the structure in front of them is garbage, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 to I that's why I kind of wanted to lump all the goalies in one section mm-hmm. in this part of the list because. I think a lot of them, their their faults have not been their own. I think Crone at the start of the year, his faults were his own. Yes. Um, McNamee's been hurt, whatever. Romanov has been a little inconsistent from the start of the game to the end of the game. But overall, I think the teams let them down. And so I don't I don't fault the goaltending at all. Yeah, Molasses, just, I just, I'll throw the, the numbers in the chat here. We've got to move this along a little quicker because we're running a little long but uh yeah romanov 10 games played 30 uh what do we got here 10 games played 893 save percentage yeah 11 games played 878 and krona's played the most at 18 games he's got an 896 so but i what what was it like krona was at like 843 or something so i mean going up 50 points isn't bad (laughs) yeah yeah, so I don't know. Like, I just I feel like, like overall, the one thing I will say about the Barracuda goalies is though, I, I think they've been fine. But there's been very few games where I've gone, oh, what a goaltending performance! Like, am I am I off? Yeah. The, am I am no, I you're, off? There? You're, uh, 
the Corona, uh, the Corona one uh, in the one nothing loss to Calgary in Calgary, mm-hmm. might be the only time this season where I was like, wow, yeah, bingo. that goalie stood on his head. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that I would say like against the goalies is that there's there's been so few times. I think you're right that the Magnus Corona versus the Calgary Wranglers game is is definitely one, and I'm glad you brought that up. But for the most part, there's never been a Wow, what a what a goaltending performance, you know? Yeah, the goal the goalies have not been the issue for the CUDA this year. Right. Um, yeah, okay. So um let's uh let's kind of putt through this a little bit a little bit quicker, I guess. Um Kyle Rao. Where are you at on Kyle Rao, uh, Kevin? Uh I think I I think he almost gets an incomplete, but I will yeah. give him a eh, a C, no B minus. Um, I think that he has shown himself capable in the offensive zone. Uh, it seems like he is in on a lot of the goals, which is exactly what you want out of a veteran leader who's basically there to fill in for Justin Bailey, who may not be coming back this season. I don't think he's going back. The way it seems he's not to be showing so. So Kyle Rao is here uh, to, you know, get get some veteran minutes, get him get his game back because he wasn't even playing up until that. He's, I think he's been fine. I think if he could finish some of his scoring chances in tight more, it, that would be beneficial to him. But um, I liked Rao's game. B minus. Yeah, I gave him a B. A lot of the same reasons you said. Um, I think he's been fine. It's hard because I don't think there's a, there's a huge body of work there, but I think yeah, he's he's kind of given me what I've expected um, when he came in. So I mean, yeah, a B. Uh, Jules, he B he what the what the Cuda need him to do, he's doing. So yeah. and, and anything it's not else like is it's not above and point. beyond. It's just like it's yeah. just been steady. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Cole... minus is simply because I want him to score a few more goals. That's Fair all. Enough. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Cole Castles. I gave Cole Castles an A. I think he's done again. He's a guy who's come in, who's um, who's done everything that I would expect him to do on the AHL. I think he's contributed offensively. I think he's been a good leader. Um, I don't really have any complaints with Cole Castles' game. Uh, Jules. Um, yeah, I was just going to say A. Um, Castles has been honestly kind of a, again, one of the small bright spots in this team. Um, he's offensively, he's produced, um, you know, he has uh, on the season right now, four goals, 19 assists, 23 points. I feel like he's definitely, they brought him in to kind of be the leader and kind of replace some of the offense that Agazino and Chris Colo when they left, you know, Mm -hmm. left behind and he's done just that. Uh, so I'm going to go a, a minus it's kind of in that territory, but my expectations were quite low of castles coming into the season. I know he had a good season prior with the Belleville senators putting up a ton of points, but he was also shooting at like a 15.2 shooting percentage. (laughs) Um, so wasn't fully expecting that to translate over to this year, but a minus he's done. I think what the Kuda need him to do. Yeah. I also give Cole castles an a minus. I think that, um, it's been a little bit of found money with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, you mentioned that he had a really solid year in Belleville, but up until then, he had a pretty nondescript AHL career. I was hoping that last season, after coming into the shark or to the the Barracuda this season, I was hoping last year was not just a, a one-off. And I think it, he's shown that he has learned something in his time in professional hockey. Um, and I think he has 
somewhat filled the void of Andrew Agazzino. Maybe he doesn't have quite that determination, but he wins a ton of face-offs. And he, for me, is easily the best penalty killer of the forward group, like Mm -hmm. uh, without question. So he does show a lot of uh, positive contributions at both ends of the ice. So um, I really wasn't expecting that. I thought coming into this, I'd say a C. Um, but he's really proven his worth, so I'll give him A minus. Tanner Kaspik. Kevin, I'm gonna shoot back to you. So I'm gonna give Tanner Kaspik a B plus only again because I expected to give Tanner Kaspik a D. I didn't think anything of Tanner Kaspik uh, going into the year. Um I, I thought he was just okay, we got we got a body at least to fill in for somewhere, you know, because we heck we needed it. But another guy who is just a dog on faceoffs, and and so before we turn the puck over at the blue line every time, he we do have possession, and he helps with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I've actually liked him a lot more, and my understanding is he's quite the ladies' man. So <laughs> good on you, Tanner Kaspik. I guess you get an A in that regard. But hockey wise, I'm giving you a B. Jules. Um, well, I'm going to go with B again. He, him and castles have been really good on faceoffs and setting the faceoffs. Um, and it's, it's kind of a young center core other than them. So it, it's kind of important to have those two veterans who can kind of win faceoffs for you. Uh, but he's been good. He's never been the guy who puts up a lot of points if you look at his AHL career. So he's been exactly kind of what they brought him in to do. Like I've said, what the other like 18 veterans this team has. Um, so yeah, he gets a B for me. Yeah, I think he's. I, I gave him a B minus. Um, I don't know. Like he's he's not he's not the most flashy of players, I guess. And I think that's like he you have to like for Tanner Caspic's a guy like you really have to watch to kind of see his because it's not going to show up on the score sheet. Like his what he brings to the game um, isn't going to show up on the score sheet like a like like a Cole Castles would. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I've liked him. I think he's been good. I think he's, you know, I think he's done a good job for this team. Again, being, you know, one of the more veteran guys coming in and trying to stabilize this absolute gong show of a team. Uh, I, I think he's been fine. Uh, Nathan Todd, I gave a B plus. He's good. I like him. I like Nathan Todd. I think he's done good things. Again, maybe not the most flashy of players, but I think he's kind of done what you would expect him to do on this team, Kevin. I give him a C, and it's not for the results, like the the statistics. Mm-hmm. The thing about Nathan Todd is I don't I have never known what Nathan Todd was throughout his career or this year. I look at him and I'm like I don't see anything special. He's not a good skater. He doesn't really make great plays with the puck. And yet suddenly he's got two points a night and has a five game point streak. Like I don't I don't get it. Yeah, it might be recency bias there for that that grade, but so like I that's why I give him a C, because I I look at him and I'm like, eh. But he's the third leading scorer on the team. So (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jules. Yeah, when I looked at the who's leading the Kudem points, I thought I had to get my eyes checked because I saw Nathan Todd and I was like, you're <laughs> kidding, right? Um, but also the meme was getting more popular on the Discord. I don't know who Discord does it, but the loves, Nathan yeah, Todd Nathan point. Todd. 
Um, yeah, so th- that's how I know Todd has a good night because I look at the Discord and I'm like, oh, there you go. And I'm like, how is this guy getting any points? Um, but he is. Uh, I-, I think just for the points and like the fact that I really was not expecting jack shit coming from this guy, uh, I'm going to give him a B-. minus. Like He's putting up points on a team that needs offense and got all... Basically, their offense is getting shredded to pieces every night because of how injured... Uh, the sharks are, but uh, he's putting up points. He's doing that. I I don't know what type of a player he is. I might never know, but uh, <laughs> he's putting up points. Maybe, maybe I should give him a B minus because he's exceeded my expectation points wise. He is not the new Nick Chichek. We need to stop this right now. <laughs> I don't hate Nathan Todd. I just think, eh. And it doesn't need to be anything more than that. So let's stop it right now. I People love you chat. guys. I love I'm, the chat. chat I love you're the amazing. chat. I love the chat and I chat, love the Discord. Keep it up. Keep it up. Let's get a new Nick Chichek here. Oh my god. Um <laughs> I'm curious. I think this one's gonna be wildly I, I maybe it might be I'm like wildly divisive from everyone else. Uh Scott Saverin. A couple of guys we're gonna do a couple of <laughs> guys that have been called up. Scott Saverin, I'm really interested to see where the grades come in on this. Um, I give, I, I think people are going to get mad at me. I gave Scott Sabrin a B. I think that he's, I liked what he's done with the Barracuda. I think there are nights where he is one of their best players, but for a team that can't kill a penalty. And I understand this is Sabrin's game, uh, to a point as well, but for, for a team that can't kill a penalty, um, uh, Scott Sabrin is you know, on even on nights where he's your best player, he's also your biggest problem. B. Yeah. Kevin. I give Scott Sabrin an A. I can't believe it. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> uh, see, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people would give Scott Sabrin an A. You want to talk about? You want to talk about a player I dislike? There were very few players in hockey who I disliked more than Scott Sabarin when the Sharks signed him. I was like, this guy is a no-talent clown. He doesn't do anything hockey-wise on the ice. He sucks. How does this guy keep getting contracts? And all I've seen this season is him getting minutes way above what I thought was his talent level, like Scott, uh, Scott Sabarin's getting power play one time from John McCarthy. (laughs) Like what is going on? But he doesn't look terrible out there. Like he's the one battling in front of the net. And sometimes he pulls off some really nice moves in one-on-one situations where I'm going, I would have, yeah, between the legs, Scott Sabarin between the legs. Are you kidding me? Like he's done it twice this season. So Scott Sabrin gets an A for the fact that I thought all he could do was just punch people in the head. Austin Matthews would agree with you. You know what the funny thing about Scott Sabrin is too? Before I, sorry, Jules, I didn't mean to cut you off. And I'll, I'll get no, you you're all good. But like, I think the, the the annoying thing about Scott Sabrin is like, other than like, I know he got into a fight and killed a guy <laughs> last night, but like, he doesn't really fight in the NHL. At least not that I can see. I think Scott Sabrin is the new Michael Haley, where he's been around for so long that he's like, man, I'm too old to be fighting in the AHL. But like, if I get to the NHL and I need to make a difference, I'm going to do it. Because Haley would never fight in the AHL for the Barracuda either. That's true. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Uh, yeah, Austin Matthews looking at his jersey. I think Austin Matthews would give Scott Sabrin an F, but um, I think I mean he's got. I have to give him an A, right? Like Jesus Christ, I was like this. I mean, okay, no, not the internet doesn't agree with that, but um, I'm gonna give him an A. I think. Listen, I thought he was just there to punch people and kind of be a nuisance, mind you. He has like 92 penalty minutes. Um, Sure does. So like. I don't know. He, he, sorry, I thought I muted my mic. Um, he gets an A from me. He's been he's produced offense. He's thrown hits. He, he's helped this team win some the very minimal games that this team has won. So nothing that hasn't been said. He he gets an A. And Austin Matthews, look at Scott Sabrin. Here you go. He's he, coming for your goals. Oh he has nine goals. I know. Like what? I know. Uh, Justin Bailey, Jules, I'm going to throw it back to you. Hey, I love that man. That's it. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I- I've really liked Justin Bailey and I think the CUDA have missed him ever since he got called up to the AHL. Uh, I, I mean, I-, I have to give him an A and there's a lot of recency bias in there, just being honest with you, but I've loved that, that signing ever since I saw him like the first day the CUDA play ever since I watched the CUDA for the first time this year, his speed, his tenacity, his work ethic um and i think the kuda do miss him and, and i would love like a guy from cardwell to learn from a guy like bailey um who has like that work ethic and stuff like that so he gets an a from me and, and i think the kuda do really miss him kevin he gets an a minus for me uh for the same reasons um you know I, you guys know i've been a justin bailey guy for a real long time and so i've been happy that he had his time with the Barracuda. I said he gets an A plus on the Pucknologists there last week for the Sharks, be- just because six weeks ago he didn't even have a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but for the Barracuda, I give him an A minus. And the reason I give him the minus, he takes way too many penalties or took way too many penalties for this team. So, same. This so, team so, and this is kind of the reason why uh, I gave him a B. I, I gave him okay. the same grade as Saturn because it's the same thing. Everything he brings, he can also take away. I do think that the Barracuda miss him a lot. Um, I do get angry that instead of calling up Gushkin, they gave him an NHL contract. Just, just you know, again, I don't want to go back into that rant again, but but I tried not to let that affect my grade. I think he's been. I think he's been exactly what I expected him to be, which is a B. It's not above, it's not below. It's exactly what I thought he would be. And I think he brings that. Ethan Frisch, Kevin. Ethan Frisch gets an A from me. Uh, He was just kind of, first off, he was the only player from last season's free agent. No, sorry, that's not true. Him and Anthony Vincent were the only ones from last season's free agent pickups who stuck around this year. And, I thought Frisch being a, a North Dakota guy that that gives me a little bit of bias right there. But Ethan Frisch has been out there one of the most dependable defensemen if b- behind Muhammadulin mm-hmm. uh, and Shimmick anyway. Um, he's out there on PK one. He's not a big guy. He's not a physical guy. Uh, but he goes out there. He's a plus eight this season. Tonight was yeah. only the third time all season that he's been a minus player. So Frisch, it, he's he's just kind of there, but for being a guy who didn't even—I don't even think he made the opening night lineup 
Um, he's solidified himself as having an important defensive role with this team. So I give him an A. I gave him a B plus um, for a lot of the reasons that you said. I don't know if this is ever going to be an NHL player, but I think that he's been steady on a team that is remote, you know, that has no remote steadiness <laughs> for most of the time. Um, I, I think it also when it comes down to like expectations, I think he's exceeded my expectations. So that's why I gave him a B plus. Uh, Jules, go ahead. I always kind of go by like the best defenders, defenders, like those like steady, like defensive, defensive are the ones that you kind of never notice, but mm -hmm. they're there. And, and that's kind of what he's been for the CUDA all year. Um, again, it's a little bit of expectations over reality with my grading here. Cause not gonna lie. I wasn't expecting Ethan fresh to do what he's doing this year. Mm -hmm. Um, he's very steady defensively. He's kind of, again, a small bright spot and like a lack of bright spots. And when I went to the game versus them in Ontario, like I was really impressed by him in person. Like he is quite the defense. He's, he knows what he's doing defensively. Will he make it to the NHL? Who knows? Uh, but he gets an A minus for me. Frisch might be the only defenseman on this team who doesn't bail out in front of the net. He, yeah, he's, he it seems like he's the, the only defenseman who actually stands his ground in front of the net. Yeah. Well, this team just lets anyone in front of their net, <laughs> so that's um, not hard. <laughs> Brad Merrick, I'm going to throw this to you first, Jules. Um, that guy was tearing up the ECHL before he got called up to the AHL, and it just seems like he can't find his game a little right now in the AHL. I haven't been super impressed with him. I mean, I was excited for him uh, based off what he was. If you guys don't follow the Thunder, and I don't blame you, I followed them a little at the start of the year. He he seemed to be putting up a lot of points there, um, which was great. He got called up, but I, I don't know. I feel like he hasn't found his footing yet. I've not been super impressed with him. Um, so I'm going to go with B minus. Yeah. I, I don't know what to expect from him. He's been good. He's, he's kind of, he's been good, but he's not been great. So B minus. Yeah. I gave him a C. Um, a lot, I, I, there's not a whole lot to, again, there's some players that we, we listed that I don't think there's a lot to really draw from. Um, I just think for a team that needs goals as badly as this one does i think like i think there's a there's an ahl scorer there but i just we're not seeing it this year it feels like i think brad merrick had a little bit of a hot streak where it was him wise blatt and i can't remember who the left wing was but they were the fourth line for this team and they were the only ones producing there for yeah. about two good yeah. weeks and so for that i give merrick a c plus um, but other than that, he hasn't done, he hasn't been bad. He just, he's, he's in a fourth line role and, and so he's there. C plus. Artem Guriev, Kevin. Artem Guriev, man, I don't even know if I can rate him. Uh, I mean, he's been better than, uh, I think we talked about think this going is the into the season in the sense of he hasn't been as I don't know, stupid with his <laughs> aggression or over aggression this year. Although tonight he had a pretty wild hit on Jake wise. So, you know, he's still got that in him. Um, uh, I don't know if I can grade him guys, but he's, he's, he's been okay. I present to you the new Nick Chichek, Artem Gurdjieff. 
Nah. <sighs> no. Because I liked Nick Chichek and I soured on Nick Chichek. That's the difference. I don't like Artem Guryev as a player. And I really? was <laughs> I was baffled when, you know, because, you know, sometimes look at guys get drafted and then they finish playing their, you know, their their junior career wherever. And some of these guys get signed and some of these guys don't. I was baffled that Artem Guryev was a guy that they signed. Um, I don't think there's an NHL defenseman here. I think he's I, I, I've never really liked his game. I think he's a nasty piece of work. I think he, he there's there is some nastiness in his game, but not in a good way. Like, yeah, you want a guy who's going to come in, you know, lay lay the body really hard and, and do all the things right. But like my bitch with Guryev is yes, he's going to play the body, but he's going to take himself so far out of the plate to do that hit. Like that's his one, he has a one track mind. I am going to kill you into the boards and it doesn't matter what is happening on the rest of the ice. And nothing I've seen from Guryev so far has changed my mind on this. Artem Guryev is a D. Um, all right. I like Artem Guryev, but I don't like his hits. I, I I like the motor the guy has, if that makes sense. Like the dude has a motor and he he will go, um, but like, so I I like Artem Guryev for that reason. I think he's had some very, I think he's had some good games. I think we have to give him a little credit. He's had some decent games. Um, I don't think this is going to be an NHL caliber defenseman at all. I don't think you can pull those hits in the NHL and get away with it. The offensive guys are not, they're too good for that you, a little. You can't leave sense. the play like he does. Yeah. Like he, he will, you, you he can. will, he gets tunnel vision to make a hit and he takes himself <laughs> out of like, it's like, Oh, I killed this guy, but the puck is two zones over. Like it's two lines over now. No, yeah. So for that, like, I like the motor, but there's not really anything there with Guryev, um, and I don't think anything's really gonna develop out of him. So overall, this season, I, I would give him a C minus. The motor's there, the energy's there. It's just lacking, and let's put this all together into an NHL or a defenseman at all at this point. What I like about Artem Guryev is he does bring a different element than all the rest of the defensemen on this team, but. For me, if you need that, bring back Patrick Seeloff from last season. Patrick Seeloff was actually the about the only steady defenseman defensively that this team had and the only physical defenseman. And for a team who needs steady defense and physical defense, I'd I'd rather have brought Seeloff back than brought Guryev in. Yeah. I don't think he was ready to make the jump. <clears throat> And he might have been forced to. I don't remember the exact conditions of what Guryev. I just I don't feel like he's ready for the pros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The next one. And this breaks my heart a little bit that I'm going to do this uh, is Jacob Peterson. And I'm giving him a C. I was so excited about his game last year. And then he's another guy, right, who just kind of like he was up with the Sharks for a bit. And I think he was fine, but he wasn't great. And then I just feel like he came down and he's never really found his game, like the game that he had last year. And it breaks my heart because this is a guy I was really excited about. And yeah, I just, I, I think if you want to go like guys who have just genuinely 
disappointed me this season, Jacob Peterson is right beneath Brandon Coe. Kevin. <clears throat> Jacob Peterson, I thought, looked really good on opening night, and then he got hurt, and he missed a bunch of time. And then he came back and was just kind of there, and then he got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's come back and not scored ever since he came back. Um, I believe that is now 14 games in a row without a goal. Uh, I think Peterson played his best game tonight since opening night. And that was promising. Uh, Yeah, and I I did miss tonight's game. So I'm giving him a D because he has been a a shell of what he was last year. But I also think that he hasn't been getting the minutes up until tonight. Yeah, true. That we saw him get in uh, last year or expected him to get. And so, yeah, I'm giving him um, I'm giving him a D. Um, and I just realized we left one off the list real quick. So I'm just going to lump him in. Oscar Lindblom. Oh, I'm going to also I'm going to give him a D plus for the same reasons. I was really hoping he was going to come in like gangbusters. And I thought opening week he played really well and then he got hurt and he hasn't found his game ever since. Um, But then he scored two goals last night. So both Peterson and Lindblom, I'm hoping they're back on the upward trajectory, but neither of them have uh, met my expectations. So D for both. Yeah, Jules, uh, you can do Lindblom as well at the same time. Okay. Um, so, Ian, you made a good comparison with Co. Like, you were just expecting a lot more from them. With Peterson, I have faith he'll get it back on track. I don't have that same faith with Co. Yeah, fair enough. Um, with Peterson, I think last year I was so happy when they traded for him. Uh, I know we were giving up the handsome Scott Reedy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I was really glad to see like to have him come in and I, cause I thought he could help the coot. I thought he could help the sharks and he did help the sharks, but this year he just hasn't really been the same that mojo, like with Bordalo is gone mm-hmm. and it might've been the injury. So I, I just, I was expecting a lot more out of him. Um, and he might not be getting the minutes cause he's playing for, a f- Never mind, I'm not going to say that, but, um, I thought overall, I was just expecting a lot more from him. And I think tonight, like Lacey said, it's starting to come back a little, uh, but I would like to see more for him and I'm not giving up on the dude. I still think he's probably going to be a pretty good bottom six forward in the NHL. But, uh, for right now, I, I, I got to give him a D plus. Yeah. Uh, it's just cause Lindblom came up. Um, yeah, I, again, I think Lindblom again, like <sighs> the story, right? You like, you just want good things for this guy. Um, I think he's done on Lindblom like he hasn't produced other than the two goals the other night like I think he's he had a huge slump before that and that's really frustrating right like because this is a player that you want good things for but obviously you thought at the AHL level like something would click for him and I just I don't know what is I don't know where things went so wrong with Oscar Lindblom Um, and it's sad man like again because he's a guy that you just want to root for Um, Again, I, I, I'd probably give him a D, man, because again, like you you just want good things for this guy with what he has gone through. You just want good things for him. And at the AHL on this team, like he should be a guy who should be able to carry some of the offensive load. And it just hasn't happened. And it's super sad. 
um, and super unfortunate. And like Jacob Peterson, it's it's a grade like that I I feel bad giving him, but at the same time, how can you not? Like that's just the the facts are in front of you, and you have to you have to go with the facts. Um, I'm gonna do I'm gonna finish up with two players that we do have grades for, and then we'll talk about Tristan Robbins again and LaRock, who obviously don't have enough of a a sample size of games to really give them a grade that would matter at this point. Um, so let's do Ethan Cardwell first. Um, I gave Ethan People Cardwell. People have been waiting for this one. People have yeah, been waiting for That's this one. That's why we one. put it to the end here. Like, That's uh, why. I, yeah. <laughs> Ethan Cardwell, I have given an A-2. minus I think that Ethan Cardwell has come in uh, and he has performed way above expectations for me. Um, I like Ethan Cardwell as a player. I know a lot of people here think I, it's like for some reason, like they think Ethan Cardwell to me is, is Nick Chichek for Kevin. It's just become a thing. (laughs) Um, But I've really liked Ethan Cardwell. I wasn't super excited for him to come in. I didn't think his game was going to translate to pro quite as well as it has, um, especially in the AHL. Um, again, you know, you want to look for bright spots on what's been a pretty bleak team. Ethan Cardwell's definitely high on that list. Um, I've, I've liked his game. I think he's an A minus. Go to Jules. Jules. All right. Hear me out guys. Um, I'm giving Ethan Cardwell a D. No, I'm kidding. Oh, Whoa! Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm giving uh, Jules so... a D for that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I will get murdered in the chat. Um, but no, in all honesty, I wasn't super high on Cardwell when they drafted him. Just going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point during, it might've been his overage or season. I started to grow on him. I was like, that guy might be something. And it was funny because early on in the season, I mentioned Lacey. I was like, who is this guy in the future for the Sharks? He's starting to grow on me more and more. And I think he just, he kind of just came in unexpectedly and took over. Like he's kind of one of the, again, the I keep on saying there's very few bright spots, but now that I'm saying it, there's a lot of bright spots on the team. They just can't put it together. Yeah. Yeah. But he's been amazing for the CUDA. You know, he kind of scores goals at the right time. Like when the when the Cuda need a goal, you see McCarthy's going to Cardwell and Gushin, kind of those two pretty consistently. It feels like he's just that motor, that forward check. Um, he's still learning. He is a young player, so he's still learning. Um, but I absolutely love his game. I don't know what it's going to turn into in the NHL, but for a guy who was I think a fourth, fifth round pick to do what he's doing right now in the AHL is kind of ridiculous. So he's getting an A minus for me. All right, I'm giving Ethan Cardwell an A. Uh, Youthful exuberance. This kid bleeds youthful exuberance. Like, he is just in there, the heart and soul of the team almost. Like, he goes out there and just busts his butt. And, you know, he is the first one in on the four check when Redeem Shimmick isn't racing up there first, of all people. Uh, Ethan Ethan Cardwell just works his tail off for his goals. But he's got a a nice shot, too. Like, we saw it last night. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It was a play where he drew two defensemen together. They collided and tripped over each other, and that allowed him to get the space Frisch slipped him a nice pass, and then Cardwell just, boom, one-timer, in, goal. It's like Cardwell just knows what to do out there. And for a a late-round pick who just think, he's a speedy guy, he can kill some penalties and, you know, chip in a goal here or there, 
he's the type of guy who I, I, I know in the same conversation with Jules earlier, I told her he's the type of guy who just kind of works his way to the NHL and then might end up carving out an eight year career. And you go, huh, how about that? Ethan Cardwell guy. Like he's just got that dog in him. I you love know who it. He reminds me of. He reminds me of Ryan Carpenter. Okay. Yeah. A guy who yeah. I think who you know what I mean? Like I don't think yeah. Ethan Cardwell's gonna be a prolific scorer in the NHL, but I think he's no. a guy who's gonna come in who could come in and give you energy in your bottom six and play top line minutes in the AHL. Like, you know what I mean? I, he can kind yeah. of he kind of find that niche. Like a Ryan Carpenter's found where, you know, he's a guy yep. who can come in and he can play in your NHL bottom six um, if you have the space for him. Or he's going to be one of the big leaders of your of your AHL squad. I feel yeah. like in the NHL, I think he's going to make it as a bottom six. And I feel like he's going to be like one of those elite penalty killing guys with his four checking and probably getting a few shorthanded goals. Like it just his motor, I feel like, is going to get him into that bottom six of the NHL like because I was not expecting him to put up this number in the AHL. Yeah. I think we killed Michael Molasses, by the way. Um. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Molasses. Um, (laughs) Last name on the list, and then we'll talk Tristan Robbins again, LaRock, here quick. Uh, Ozzy Weisblatt. Um, I gave Ozzy Weisblatt a B. Um, I love Ozzy Weisblatt. My love for Ozzy Weisblatt is something that is very known if you've uh, hung out on this channel. I think that, um, you know, again, this is a situation where I think injuries have been a little bit of a factor for him this year. Um, But I I love his game. Like, I've I've always loved his game. I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, but he's a first-round pick, Ian. And I I, I get that, right? But I don't know. I just, I like his game. I think that there's, you know, there's a need for players like Ozzy Weisblatt who... Again, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to come into your NHL team and be a prolific scorer. But is he going to be a guy who is going to be an absolute pain in the ass to play against and just frustrate your best players? Yep, yep. Ozzy Weisblatt can do that. Um, he's he's just such a pest. Um, but again, you know, he's... But like similar players like him, um, there is an edge and he still kind of wanders over that line a little more than I would like this season, but he's, you know, he's just that I just, I I have all the time in the world for that type of player. Um, But I don't think he's exceeded my expectations either, which is why I just have him at a B. Um, Kevin. I give Ozzy Weisblatt a C plus. Um, I love Ozzy Weisblatt as well. When he's healthy, it seems like he, he goes out there and just, tries to wreck fools <laughs> and it's awesome <laughs> but as a smaller forward he's shown that his body can't handle that right now yeah and, and that, that's my concern about his longevity here um so i give him a c plus because he also can't seem to work his way up in this lineup and i don't know what it is i don't know I don't think john mccarthy but, likes him uh, yeah, I was I about to say, I don't think McCarthy likes that I don't guy. know if it's McCarthy not trusting him to not take a dumb penalty because of his reckless play or what it is. But with that said, I almost feel like 
Ethan Cardwell has become what we want Ozzy Weisblatt to be. But he's got more physicality. Weisblatt's got more physicality. You're not wrong. Go ahead, Jules. Ozzy is such an intriguing player. Because in his draft year, I was intrigued by him. And I was kind of like, why did we take this guy? Like, Because there's other guys on the board I was just higher on at the time. Sure. But he's such an intriguing player because I feel like there's so much offense there just built up because of yeah. all the physicality that he has. That guy has an engine I've never seen before in my life. He will go lay out a hit and then go to this other guy, smack him to the boards, give a cross check, take a dumb penalty all in one shift just to make Ian happy. But like, okay, in all serious now, like he's there's so much offense. I feel like that is kind of boiled up, but he needs the right coach to unleash it. And I just don't think McCarthy's that uh, overall this season. He's been good. I feel like he should be higher in the lineup and he's just not getting the opportunity to show us Aussie wise, but like we're getting the hits and all, but it's like, that's kind of it. Um, the offense I think is coming. Cause like Lacey said, there was a line where that fourth line was giving any offense and all of the offense. Um, and I've just derailed in my head. So I'm just going to say I'm giving Ozzy Weisblatt a C plus. I dig it. Um, so let's talk Tristan Robbins and Gannon LaRock quick. I'll start. Um, Gannon LaRock is a guy who I, I haven't watched a lot of him in junior because he plays out. He was playing out in the Western Hockey League, so I don't really catch a lot of Western Hockey League stuff. So he's a player who I hear things about, but I haven't seen. And unfortunately, obviously, this is a guy who has had a lot of injury problems over the last little bit. So, like, obviously, I can't give this guy a grade. I've liked what I've seen so far for a guy who, you know, hasn't played a ton this season. Um, I've liked what I've seen. Uh, Tristan Robbins, on the other hand, is a guy who the Barracuda have sorely missed all year. I think when you look at, um, I think earlier in the season when, you know, you're like, oh, if they could just score on this power play, they could be in this game. And that's where they miss Tristan Robbins so much. Um, Tristan Robbins came back. He looked like a guy who's missed half the year. Um, trying to get up to game, you know, mid-season game speed. Um, he has gotten on the board more recently um so obviously that's promising i think he's slowly getting back up to where you want him to be but can you give him a grade no he just got back from being injured half the season and while he's finally getting some goals and that's that's good um you know um you there's it's promising from tristan robbins i'm i'm happy he's back i'm happy he's starting to find the net now um you know and hopefully it sounds like Bortolo is going to be out for a while, but it would have been nice to have, you know, Bortolo come back and have him and Robbins and, you know, maybe, maybe try to win more than a couple of games in a you know, win a couple of games in a row actually for. You haven't done it this season. And I think we did it once last year. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They started the season like four and oh, and then. Oh yeah. Went to hell. Once after that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I've, I've liked Tristan Robin so far. I think he's, you know, he's, I think, I feel like if he had played all season, I think we would be raving about Tristan Robbins, much like we had the Cardwells, the Gushkins. I think he would definitely be in that conversation. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I've liked his game so far. I think it's, it's hard to get up to mid season pace after being out as long as he was. Uh, Jules, uh, any thoughts on Gannon LaRock and Tristan Robbins? I'll keep this quick because I know we're like, oh, I think two hours here. Yeah, um, I, this TTGS is what we do. <laughs> uh, 
I will say this. I was super excited for Gannon, Gannon LaRock after his draft year. Like, after his D1-plus year, mm-hmm. he was um, – I was so pumped for him. He even made a stint with the Barracuda and just made some – that guy just knows how to work his stick so well. Um, I will say injuries have sent him back, and I am kind of have died down a little on LaRock. Um, but I, I really like LaRock. I think he just needs some time to adjust to the pro level because, mind you, like, this is basically his first season. Like, he got some games in Wichita, but not really. Uh, I think there is a there is a NHL defenseman in there. It's just going to take some time, and with the injuries, it, he's just kind of got on a little derail. So don't forget about LaRock. He's kind of one of those, like, underrated guys that I think can come up and surprise a few people in a few years. Um, and I'll just say stuff on Robbins. This team needed Robbins. So his injury really hurt this team. Um, and I'm glad he's back. And, and we're seeing the production now slowly starting to come. Um, but I think Robbins is going to be a very nice person to have throughout the stretch. And then hopefully later down in the year, they can add Beastead uh, and help the center core. And I will say Luca Cagnoni scored a goal today. And that has nothing to do with Kuda. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> Cagnoni got a goal. <laughs> Kevin. That's uh, no, I don't I don't have anything else to add, really. I think LaRocca has shown some really good mobility mm-hmm. um, in the what the four games he had a couple of years ago. And then he played last night, finally got a game in last night. And I thought he looked really swift on mm-hmm. his feet. Um, but I I want to see more of him before I can honestly assess him. And then Tristan Robbins, um, I think he's, you know, finally working his way back he had a, a goal last night a goal tonight and it, you, you mentioned Bortolo goes down now that Robbins comes in yeah you want to talk about can we get Gushin someone to play with it'd be nice to have both of them together to play with Gushin at yeah, some point Fabian but, Zetterland. yeah what was that oh okay there you go <laughs> I love Fabian Fabian Zetterling it's a solid A for me by the way <laughs> Um, yeah. And I will say this about LaRock. I think with, like, I think with him, it's going to be the patience game. Yeah. And I think in a few years, we'll start to see the payoff. And honestly, I would not be surprised with Bordalo if he works out better at wing than at center. Oh, I I agree 100%. Um, which I guess now that we've kind of gone through the roster and done that, um, with the... We're going to go through every coach, the video coach. No, we're not going through every coach. We're just going to talk coaching. Just training staff. Are we grading the coaches? No, yeah. yeah, Is it that hard? Well, no, I was just saying, is there... Can I go below an F? Oh. You can, you can do whatever okay, you want. So, someone in the chat quite a while back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I think his name is Tone Freck or Tone Freak or maybe yeah, yeah. Tony Tony Freak. I don't know. But he said, "Hey, everyone can't get good grades on a last place team, and we did say that at the start. Our grades are probably going to be higher than yeah. they maybe deserve because they are thirtieth out of thirty-two." comes down to this coaching staff all of you f f f f f f players are unprepared to play on night one they're somewhat prepared to play on night two why do we why do we need two games to finally figure things out against teams Mm -hmm. we had a nice little stretch where we could 
the, the Barracuda won the first game, but then would lose the second game. Why can't you carry that over from one game to the next? It's been two years of this. Two yeah. completely different rosters, and yet the same exact result. Actually, a worse result so far this year than last year. So the coaching staff, something's got to change. I mentioned it at the start of the show a couple hours ago. If you're tuning in late, <laughs> thank you for coming, showing up. But two hours ago, I said, why are four players always chasing the puck at all times? There's so much open ice in either the defensive zone or in the offensive zone, allowing their defense to just go out the other side and take the puck out. Everything is just chase, 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 chase. Have a strategy. Mm -hmm. Have anything. Study film from the other teams and see what they're doing right and then apply it here. Or get a new coaching staff. F for the coaching staff. They've let the players down. They've let these goalies down. Let the fans down. Jules. So, um, I apologize if I go off here. No, go ahead. Um, I did not really blame McCarthy last year because I thought, hey, maybe it's just the roster they had, even though I kind of like the roster. Um, I, I didn't really blame him because it was his first year and it's like, you know, you have to adjust to teaching or coaching at this level. That's fine. Whatever. But seeing the same mistakes, seeing this team self-sabotage, seeing the penalties that are fucking constantly taking, like just this team is undisciplined. I think that's the best way to put it. The team is just genuinely undisciplined and kind of plays sometimes with no emotions. And that's like the most frustrating. Some nights it feels like they're just they don't they don't want to be out there. They don't give a shit. Um, which kind of that's as a fan, that's frustrating, especially cause like, this is the future of the sharks. And they literally advertise that like the future of the Sharks starts here at SJ Barracuda. If you listen to like their ads yeah. and stuff like that. So it's just frustrating to sometimes see them play with no emotions and like, he's not done a good job coaching these guys. Like just not at all. This team is just not coached properly. I think he needs to go. I don't think he's necessarily necessarily sabotaging the development of prospects but i think this team is could be so much better if they just had the right coach and mccarthy is just not doing it like genuinely i don't know if this team even watches film because teams are just taking advantage and just completely in the first minute of almost every game we just allow yeah. the other team to just walk right in and shoot yeah yeah and, like, if the CUDA don't make a coaching change at the end of this year, I'm just going to – this is evident that the Sharks just don't care about the CUDA. So there's that. Yeah. Um, look at John McCarthy again, right? It's like when it comes to guys you want to root for, John McCarthy is on that list, right? Like, obviously, what he went through. But I think this is a situation where – you know, he's a guy who basically retired and was immediately made a coach on this With team. no experience. With no experience, right? And he was under the Roy Sommer learning tree. Do with that as you will. I just think that some, like, I think for a player to make a jump like that, you want to do it not with the team that you just played for. And my concern with John McCarthy, you know, I'm not... I'm not local. I'm not at the games. I don't see him on the bench. So I don't see how he interacts with the players. 
I just wonder if he's still one of the guys. And that works as an assistant coach. It doesn't work as a head coach. And I just feel like, like, look at this is where you, this is one of the leagues where you cut your teeth as a coach. So I had no problem with him coming back this year, because again, you know, you learn stuff, right? What did you learn from last year? Unfortunately, at this point in the season, we're, we're already in January. And the answer to that question is so far, nothing. Didn't learn a damn thing from last year. Because again, it's the same team and everything else. And I just wonder if, again, and I don't, I don't know. So I'm just guessing. And I don't have any inside information that I can, can base this on. But I just wonder if John McCarthy's just one of the guys still. And, you know, when you look at the culture around this team, like I said earlier in the show, this is a team that has trouble keeping veteran players around. Now, are the Barracuda the only team? No, lots of teams have trouble. You know, a lot of guys move around as veteran players. But the fact that you had a guy who signed here for two years in Andrew Agazino, who wanted, who like basically said, trade me right fucking now. I don't know, man. There's that's that to me sets off alarm bells. I can't give this. I mean, it's an F. It's obviously an F. This team has almost all the same problems with a almost like with a big contingent of new players. I I don't understand their their system. I think their their power play is predictable as hell. Like. You went to yep. the Steve Spotspool power play because it's always the same shit that never changes. And it's like, I don't know, man. I I uh, don't understand this team. Also, I was astonished yeah. to see in the notes that the Barracuda are 15th in the AHL on the power play, considering that I feel like they give up as many chances on their own power play as they get on their power play. Yeah. The thing that frustrates me also is they're kind of a perimeter. They kind of just... Let's pass the puck around and play whack-a-doodle-ball with the fucking puck for 20 minutes, and the other team just knows where your pass is going to go, picks it off, and then goes the other way shorthanded. It's not and even the just have that. The it's their yeah, entries. Oh, where it's always, they always pass it back. Four guys stop skating at the blue line. And then, so, like, when you finally get in, oh, now you have to start skating again. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's a mess. And it's always so predictable because it's always going back down to Gushin. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like it's literally every single thing. time. It's always like they'll drop back and it's Gushin having to dangle through eight guys because no one else is set. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I think from a coaching perspective, though, I think something that I do want to shout out that I think should be positive is I don't know who Ryan Miller's working with, but obviously it's working because I think goaltending again, if you look at the Sharks and the Barracuda, Goaltending for a long time was was the Sharks' Achilles heel. It hasn't really been that this year. I, I, Capo Kakinen has had, uh, you know, a really About good year. That. Now he is due money at the end of the season, and I'm always raised an eyebrow when that's the case, but Mackenzie Blackwood's been great. I think, again, like maybe the, the Barracuda goalies, they there, there hasn't been many games where I've been like, wow, what a goaltending performance. But I think, you know, given the shit in front of them, I think all the goalies have performed admirably other than maybe Mack and Niemi. So, I mean, I you know, whereas, you know, Kevin can tell you, I mean, 
Oh, there there were some really rough years for goaltending on the Barracuda. And that hasn't that this is the first year I feel like goaltending hasn't really been an issue. I don't know if you want to speak to that quickly, Kevin, or not. I thought last year was the same thing. I thought the goaltending was okay last yeah, yeah, year with, fair enough. with Dell and McAniemi. Well, Dell's, but uh, here's the thing, right? Dell, Dell, Dell's a, a veteran. Yeah. 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 How much, how much coaching are you doing with Aaron Dell? <laughs> <laughs> or how much is he coaching you? Well, that's it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I just, I, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's where I have questions. So I think that, I, I, I think I'm with everyone else, right? Like if they don't, if there's not a move at the end of the year for Barracuda coaching, I think that then that speaks to a much bigger problem. And you know what? We'll discuss that when it happens because we've been on way too long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to thank everyone for coming and hanging out with us. I, we've had like, actually decent numbers for a Barracuda show. Um, even though yeah. we've gone a little long, I don't think this will be the norm for these shows, uh, going forward. <laughs> well, but there was, I, there was a, there was a lot to, uh, we, we did have a lot to, to kind of go through and I kind of wanted to get down. So I think, but going forward, like I said, this is something we're going to do. We're going to try and keep to somewhat of a regular schedule. Obviously <laughs> schedules need to align and everything, but, um, I hope you enjoyed this show. If you have anything you think we got wrong, Hit us up in the comments below. Let us know if you are new here and you like what we do. Um, we do this. We do lots of other things too. We come on live after every game, Sharks game. So if you want to hear um, our thoughts on that, be sure to hit the subscribe button, ring the bell. You know, all the all the fun YouTube stuff that I'm supposed to say. Um, do those things. It's, it helps us a, a ton. Um especially like hitting the hitting the like button if you haven't already um you know leave us comment um for engagement i mean all these things help us and they'll help other people discover what we do um but again i hope you guys enjoyed it uh if you ever want to uh catch this again you can do it pretty much on any uh, media platform you can find us obviously on youtube on the replay uh you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts from um if, if the podcasts are there guaranteed, we're there too. Just look for Teal Town USA. Um, we appreciate you all being here and we will see you on the next one. Thanks a lot, guys. Don't, Have a don't, good night. Don't quit yet. Don't stop oh, yet. Oh, what am I doing? We got to go around the league. No, I'm kidding. Oh I'm my kidding. God. Wait, what? Okay. But I do, I do have, I do have something that needs to be said, especially because it did not get brought up on last night's after dark. So we do need to wish our condolences to Frank Torres, who Ooh, was yes. uh, um, uh, one of the executives with the team. He was the VP of business operations. He took over for Eric Grunfast uh, last summer, kind of uh, when, when Eric, had a sudden departure frank took over came over from the coachella valley firebirds i only spoke with him one time and it was nothing more than a hello nice to meet you um but uh, it is very sad to hear that he has suddenly passed away at only age 38 yeah. um so we are uh you know wishing extending our thoughts to the Torres uh family because um, I know he did not have a wife or 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 kids, so uh, you know his parents and extended relatives. Uh, he is in our thoughts. So yeah, definitely. Um, best wishes uh, to yeah, you, sure. Frank. So 
yeah, from everyone here at uh, Teal Town USA for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's it, guys. I think we're going to get the hell out of here. Again, appreciate you guys being here, and uh, I will um, cut the audio. So if you if you do catch the replay, hopefully you won't hear the gong show that happened at the start of the show. Everyone have a good night. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>